Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm Danielle. And I'm Matt Shrekbine. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> it's Matt Shrekbine! Awesome! Hey, hey. Matt, you're back on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Welcome yeah, back, Yeah, thanks Matt. for the invite. Yay, Thank you. It's good, good to be with you guys. I miss you. Friendship, we missed you. Yeah, this is yeah. a great. Yeah, and uh, I'm so glad to have you on for this episode too, because um, you know we definitely had to get you back on for the devil you know stuff. So this is going to be a great discussion. I'm really looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, it's great to have you back. You've been doing some awesome art online. You know, so much has happened since the last time that we talked to you. <laughs> you did a lot of kind of like Norman Rockwell tributes and stuff like that. Can you give your plugs again for maybe any new listeners that maybe aren't familiar, just want to know sure. where they can find your stuff? I, I put all of my artwork on my Twitter account, which is at the letter hack. I put most of my, most of the same art, usually some process stuff included uh, on Instagram. And that's friends of Strackbine. Um, and yeah, I, I did a whole bunch of tributes, um, not spoofs, but like an homage. Okay. Yeah, I, guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I was basically just, yeah. I was trying my hand at like literally copying Norman Rockwell prints, but I was changing out the people to be, um, left wing news media, like independent left wing news media people. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like listener supported media that um, I can't afford to support like through a Patreon or anything. I don't pay them for the content that I absorb. So I figure doing the art this way is a way to show support for them. And I went big leading up to the election. Nice, awesome. nice, yeah. You've, you've had some good stuff on there. And um, I really enjoyed all your Simpsons tributes that you did with yeah. featuring um, all those media personalities as well. Those were really great. Yeah, some of them asked for prints. So I've been mailing those around. Very oh, cool. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, cool. I also want to shout out all the guys, you know, Mike Mignola's art on Facebook. We talk about the Mignolaverse subreddit on Reddit. We don't mention this enough. We have all of our resources on our Facebook about section, but then we also have a link tree. If you go to our Instagram or Twitter accounts, we have a link tree there and we have our Podbean webpage where you can find the reading order. You can find links to Ryan Yule's awesome original art and a bunch of other documents that people have uploaded there. Remember Brian Levy put like a, an occult research oh, project yeah. that he had, you know, that's up there. There's like a timeline, a chronology that somebody developed so, yeah, go check out all those resources on our link tree. Brian Yule actually commented this week. He said, nice work updating the reading list, Mark Tweedell. I look at it often, so it's very much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really helpful tool for anybody who's listening to the podcast and wants to know where to find Absolutely. comics to read. For sure. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback section. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us And it's a book club Get out treats We had a hate you damn guys from Brian Levy hey, it's Brian Levy Book club member That's right He said wow the devil you know we're here I can't believe it I'm writing this on Wednesday morning 11-4 While I'm getting ready to go to my job at the 53rd St. Library in Midtown Manhattan. On Monday night, last time I was there, all the fancy Fifth Avenue stores were being boarded up in anticipation of social unrest. 
that people are worried might happen this afternoon. I spent the last 36 hours knee-deep in election news, grad school, and more Bud Light limes than someone with a full-time job should be drinking. (laughs) This morning, I'm pretty hungover, getting ready for what's going to be a weird day of work, and I'm glad that on my commute in, instead of endless election news, I'm going to listen to the Hellboy Book Club podcast, giving myself a break, bringing me some entertainment, thoughtful discussion, and friendship. Thanks for all you do, Brian. Yeah, I really like that. (laughs) Glad we could provide some kind of distraction from the hellscape that we all find ourselves in. (laughs) We had some feedback on our crossover special. Tom Barnett said... Tom Barnett club member there you go he said um you know in that fearless dawn crossover i know that we weren't a huge fan of that one but it did have the cool mignola art with that space guy with the dome over his head oh yeah yeah and tom barnett mentioned that he had drawn like a spaceman like that in the quarantine sketches so he oh, was, cool. Yeah, no, I saw oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. so he was wondering if the quarantine right, sketch right. was maybe the first appearance oh, of that. No. You know, maybe he carried that character over because he liked it so much. It kind of, they resemble each other if you put them side by side. Right. That was a neat detail. We had some feedback on BPRD Devil You Know, the story that we started covering last week. Mark Tweedell said... Hey, Mark Tweedell. <laughs> Club member. That's right. Regarding Liz's flames, since BPRD, Hell on Earth, Lake of Fire, she's not just channeling fire anymore, but Vril fire. Yeah. It only burns what she wants it to burn. I imagine if she doesn't want to burn you, the flame would feel intensely warm, but also comforting. Nice. Hmm. So magic. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And he also said... Indistinguishable from magic. (laughs) It's magic. Vril fire is is different. Literally magic. Yes. He also said the last page of issue two with Abe and Liz smiling at each other. Right. Was such a great moment that it had to be a moment to break till next week. Yeah. yeah so he intentionally put that there to kind of give us no, was, that was, to go it off It was on. a good moment. It was a good moment. That was a good stopping point. That's where, uh, you'd, put, that's where you'd put it at like at the end of a show. Yeah. Right. Oh, until next week. What's going to yeah. happen? He's showed up. Now that's a surprise. But does anyone know how much time passed between that issue and the first issue we're going to read today? I can't remember. But oh, normally it was like, I think between issue five and six of this series, it was like five months. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe Mark Tweedo can chime in and let us know that. We also heard from Hylonymous. Oh, hey, it's Hylonymous. Book club member. Oh, yeah. He said about Liz not burning Howard's, I agree with Aubrey here. She has such a perfect control over the fire. She's in control of every aspect. Heat, light, flame, combustion, the chemical reaction even. She alone decides what's going to be burned and what's not. I, I, I do like hearing the I agree with Aubrey. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also heard from Ryan Yule. Ryan Yule. Book club member. Yeah. Ryan has that page, that page where, you know, Liz is, uh, the fire goes out as she's, as she's carrying Howard's. Oh, yeah. She's not on fire, but she's still flying. And there is a small detail that we missed in that page. I don't know if you want to go back and look at that. Okay, so. He's a good guy. I love how he always posts his stuff. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, He always shares the pages that he has over the story that we're covering. And um, he has this page. So if we're looking at the digital omnibus, this is page 25, where Liz is bringing Howard's down. And on this bottom panel, as she drops him down, they're kissing. 
Right. Yeah. We okay. didn't notice that when we read the. Oh, we didn't even mention it. Yeah. We didn't say yeah. About we, it. Because we had that whole discussion about whether they, everyone was saying that they were together. Sure. And we talked about whether we thought that that was true or not. We didn't even mention that. So anyway, that was wow. a interesting little detail and a super cool page that Ryan's got in his collection here. I thought they were just being rude. Yeah. I thought they were just being oh. like super rude, but I guess. It, I, well, so wait, so that makes even less sense now, though, because if you, if, if there are two coworkers that are in a relationship, how is it teasing them to be like, well, they're in such a relationship? Like, that's not, how is that a put down? <laughs> I don't understand. She's like Yoko Ono. Like, she's taking Howard's away from them, I, maybe? Well, yeah. Like, okay. they, because there's I mean, just some serious, like, what is it, hero worship going on? Oh, right. Yeah. I, I thought it uh, more like, I thought it more like he thought that they were too good for them. I saw when Ryan posted the, his artwork on there and he asked us how we, why we didn't mention that. And I was like, holy shit, they're totally kissing. I can't believe I missed that. I mean, totally missed that. Secondly, I can definitely see how coworkers would be dismissive or rude about people dating oh, okay. because I've, I've seen it at, in other workplaces and all that. Oh, but I mean, it's it, kind of weird. It's, 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 it it's more weird. like a, you know, like, it's more like a like oh I can't believe they're sleeping together I mean fuck oh, you probably you know, I guess mind of, your own business that, though right like I mean how does that it, affect just, you in any way <laughs> it it doesn't it's just something that it's uh, weird. I'm gonna attribute to misogyny and, oh sure oh uh, yeah well absolutely and for the sure patriarchy. absolutely uh, it's just it's just it seems weird to me it seems like such a weird thing to be snarky about I guess. Well, of yeah, course it's like it's the different. end of the world <laughs> like just <laughs> like, relax. I mean there's relax. bigger things to yeah. people well, are still petty oh great. <laughs> I mean, that, just because it's the end of the world doesn't mean people will stop being petty. You know? <laughs> I mean, probably the most you unfortunate know, part of that, the apocalypse. That's the biggest <laughs> yeah. lesson I think we're learning this year. So, no shit, right? Clayton Schofield said... Clayton Schofield, book club member. Book club member. He said, I think in a way, I kind of knew it was going to be Death by Cricket for Tian. Way back in Aww. Reign of the Black Flame number three, the terror he expresses while seeing crickets for the first time with that James Heron art seems to leave a mark with this reader. And he did post a picture of that. If you go back to Rain in the Black Flame, where they first see the crickets, they see like a huge horde of them coming down the street and Tien like freaks out and his face is very kind of animated. So yeah, I wonder if that was like a little bit of foreshadowing. That's interesting. Mm. I'm not sure if it'd be foreshadowing, but it's definitely um, interesting. I mean, I don't think that they decided right then and there that they're going to, you know, kill off the character with the crickets or something like that. I think they just kind of probably use that you know like oh hey he was freaked out so let's go ahead right. and yeah by one of those kind of things even in hindsight yeah. it's still yeah you know, i mean it's, detail, it's yeah. a really cool thing i mean it, and it just goes to show you the continuity they pay attention to their own continuity yeah They're, they flip through their own books every once in a while like oh yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i remember that part let's uh we do something with that yeah you know what i mean i yeah. love that hayden or said hayden or Book club, member. book club member hey you damn guys we're here the final stretch so to speak i love the episode and i have a lot of thoughts on double you know series as a whole but i'll save them for when we get to the end <laughs> regarding the disclaimer i personally think if you've consumed a piece of art media and formed a special connection with it or memory with it unaware of how problematic its creator is you can still enjoy the art there's different situations of course like with lovecraft only a handful of his stories don't contain some kind of awful racist language and honestly after reading most of his work i'd say there's only a couple stories that are written decently and actually worth yeah. the time to read yeah but many people have taken his works and made them more inclusive and actively changed them for the better for example stuff like lovecraft country they've, by they've, matt ruff they've built they've built on a foundation right 
and it's become its own thing, has its own life, and and really has such minimal ties to the original sure. creator yeah. that's kind of it's become its own lore and, and mythos and stretched out and been so you know reworked and revamped into all this other stuff that's kind of you know what I mean. So that's and also like when you are talking about you're talking about having an attachment to a work of a thing that a person made but like we're talking about something that a whole team of a bunch of different people right, made. And i feel yeah. like i should reiterate that again uh on this episode just because i feel like that's really important it, it is there's people that you can't just like throw all these other people out who worked on this and all their work on it and yeah so that's yeah yeah and i do want to talk about that a little bit more um but i want to finish hayden yeah no uh, absolutely i just here. sorry i didn't mean to i just wanted to jump in there yeah and be you're like, good you're good he also mentioned Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Laveau as being kind of built off of Lovecraft. Mm. But even with more contemporary problematic artists, I think you can still enjoy the art if you formed a special connection with it. Your personal memories or connections with those pieces of art transcend those people's awful behavior and attitudes. And you shouldn't feel guilty for still enjoying a specific piece of art as long as you acknowledge the artist who made it is problematic. And I would say maybe don't continue to support their future efforts, right. but that's just my two cents. Yeah. Like going online and being like, I'll never stop loving this person <laughs> that I have no actual relationship with. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where yeah. you can, you can like, yeah, read the books sure. at home. You don't have to like announce it to everyone and stuff like that. You can just, you know. It's cool. No one's going to find yeah. out that you're still reading this. So uh, Hayden did, I did read that whole comment and Hayden did mention two specific artists that are very problematic now. And I just want you to know, Hayden, that what I mentioned last week, those were two of the artists I was talking about. He said, anyways, onto the story stuff. I don't know that Leonid is actually supernatural. He's that big, like, Frankenstein. You called him Solomon Grundy <laughs> on the last episode. Solomon Grusdy. I think he might just be kind of a joke character. He's like the living embodiment of unkillable, unstoppable Russian stereotype you see in fiction so often. If he has some kind of powers of, or enhancements, I feel like it would have at least been hinted at by now. I also think maybe Howard's has some kind of caveman strength from his connection with Galdenar. That's a flimsy idea, but I can't think of another reason other than that. Or he's got some low-grade Vril connection. And I was on the same page as Danielle when reading this. I honestly didn't think that Abe and Liz would ever see each other again. With how melancholy and expectation-defined the series tends to be, I figured they'd die or something before getting to reunite, but I was glad to see it happen. These characters at least deserve to get to see each other again, even if it was during the end of the world. Can't wait for next week's episode. I always assumed that the Russians had been experimenting, right? And and trying to do, like, genetics and stuff like that and, you know, obtain a body. Right. right? So, yeah, I always thought maybe he was just kind of like something like that. I don't know. They don't definitively explain that, though, right? They never do, but he's, like, fireproof and bulletproof it's pretty much. something like that, right? Yeah. Like, well, he's he was a great attempt, but we couldn't replicate it. I don't know. Maybe, but this sort of awesome because there's this whole other like you could do a whole series about that guy probably right if you wanted to he's like almost their captain america or something right like a weird version of, of that kind of uh yeah he has like strong loyalty right like yeah if you tell him this is our team he's on your side no question right but i don't think there's much more to him beyond that yeah soldier and and like loyal and all that kind of come hand in hand really right but but when when it comes to howard's yeah i don't think you can have that sort of connection between worlds or time or whatever without some sort of strength right like supernatural strength 
And I always thought of like those guys back in the day and in the prehistoric period as being like they all seem more powerful or to have some sort of power. And I don't know, maybe that's the sort of thing that like humans lost over time and they just got duller, you know, right throughout time, I guess. But anyway, yeah, I always I always just kind of assumed that both of those guys were super powered. Yeah, I think I think definitely even without him ripping a car door off, like all the acrobatics and things that he did in like Rain in the Black Flame where you see him like jumping around and picking up a friggin' minigun and stuff yeah. like that. Like he's gotta be strong, you know. Yeah. He's gotta be super humanly agile to be able to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In regards to what did he refer to it as? A disclaimer that you made before the last episode? I thought you guys made some I thought they were all valid points. Right. You know, there's a lot of people involved in these books and everything. But and I I know I've said this many times on the podcast. One thing that I have always appreciated about the podcast is the way it's like an extension of the letter column. And it's like the exact oh. same community right. that we and, and we all talk about this a lot off the podcast. But like the community we've always had online is here now. You know, it's like they've Aww. they've moved over to the podcast. And when I was Aww. reading these books over the last week, like, okay, so for obvious reasons, but also because like the BPRD wrapped over a year ago. Right. I've had plenty of time to like I'm just at a point where I can like kind of put the needle down. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Okay. So I'm not like obsessing over this stuff at the moment. But when I mean I'm obsessing over a lot of other stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> But like when I was rereading these books this past week, yeah, I, normally I'm like, okay, I'm going back in. Here we go. This is the universe I want to be in. But and I guess there was some of that. But um, my excitement built over the week because I knew I would be talking about it with you guys. Yeah, and that all exactly. The, all the stuff I was reading, I was like, well, that's questionable. Or what the hell does that mean? I'm like, I can't wait to bring this up. See what yeah. they think. You know, so that. So for me, it's more about the book club than the book. Yeah, at the moment, absolutely but, for sure. But I do so. So I think in addition to the things that you guys said last week and the case that you made, I think in addition to that, and I know you did mention friendship in the community, but I think that there's <laughs> there's a lot more to it than like I don't know if you would put this emphasis on it yourselves, but the podcast has done a lot for Aww. this, and. If you think about it, without the podcast, would we be talking about it in the same way? Mm-hmm. Would anybody be bringing these books up, right, and having like a group discussion about it Aww. under the circumstances? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's like a good question. I think where would we be? But we're here. That's what matters. So anyway, I just I so in in addition to that last, hey you damn guys, I just wanted to, you know, tack that on as a way of saying I really appreciate the podcast. Oh, I think wow, I really appreciate you That's saying sweet. that. Thank you so much. That Aww. is so uh that is uh so thoughtful to include us. Well, now we appreciate we're, it we're too part because of we this. get to be a part of yeah. a community and have people talk to you about this. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's <laughs> we're just as grateful yeah. to be here talking. And and the more that I thought about it, because when I was editing I was thinking like, man, I should have said this, I should have said that. And, like, the more that I thought about it, John Arcudi wrote a lot of the stuff that this is being built on the back of. 
you know, all these other artists have contributed. They've created characters. James Heron created Ted Howard's, right? I think he has, like, some ownership of that character, too. So, you know, all of these kinds of things, it really is a team effort, like Danielle was saying. And I think that it's really important to recognize that it, this is being built, just like we were talking about earlier with, like, H.P. Lovecraft or whatever, this is also being built on top of other great things that other people have done. It doesn't stand alone as this one person's work, you know what I mean? So I think it's always important to recognize that. And um, I appreciate, you know, people responding to that and being cool with that, because I, I think that that's definitely how, how we feel about it, and we're just trying to be honest. And as far as um, being grateful for a community and, and for friendship and people talk to about stuff, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what a book club is for, but I hesitate to bring this up because I know we're all tired of hearing stuff like, now more than ever, <laughs> that kind of a thing. But, you know, shit is, it's tough right now. And yeah. so we're we're getting so much feedback from people like, hey, it's just nice to be able to listen to this instead of <laughs> anything else that's happening. It's nice to just be able to do, do chores or be in the car and listen yeah. to this and type an email to y'all and, and talk to you, you know, because that's, I feel like these are real, genuine, sincere connections. I mean, you're our friend. Now, like we talk to you on the mm-hmm. phone, like outside of recording content or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're grateful f- for it too. Like we are. Yeah. So that's. But you are right. It's like, because God damn it, we're going to have to look back and be like, it wasn't all bad. There were things that year or, well, God forbid those years <laughs> that kept us going and that, you know, that stuff you could listen to that podcast Aww. right now and enjoy it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's the kind of thing that transcends uh, pandemic. Sure. In yeah. In these trying times. <laughs> and and of course, <laughs> um, that's why we support organizations like Rain. You know, and we are probably going to be doing an, another fundraiser, but not quite yet because there's going to be another fundraising effort that we're going to be supporting. Awesome. Yeah. Um, those of you who we're are far on, away behind that one. Those of you who follow Mike Manuela's art on Facebook, Craig McKnight is already teasing. Yeah, the annual buff raffle. Oh, so yeah. buff I want. Raffle. So that's one thing to get excited for, and we're definitely going to be backing that and putting all our support behind Craig and his causes. So yeah, if you're not already on that Facebook page, check that out because um, we're always trying to support some of these causes and do what we can to raise money for these kinds of organizations. And um, yeah, all good stuff. We also had a news a new segment of the podcast from Jerry Turnbull called Oh shit. Pedantry Corner. It's a new corner for us. How many corners? This is like a one of those. One of those Our room's like a. The like geometry a, didn't even make sense. It's so scary and weird about how it's it's non Euclidean. There you go. That's how many corners. We got like a we got like a twenty sided room in this. In this That's corner. right. <laughs> it's an it's a dodecahedron room. Yeah. He said, better to have loved and lost isn't an idiom. It's a quote from a poem by Tennyson. Thanks. It's an idiom <laughs> oh. now, though, because a lot of people say it outside of the context of the thing it was originally written. Hmm. So now it's now it's an idiom. So it's both. <laughs> it can be both. Can it, though? Yes. I don't know. That's how, yes. <laughs> Join us next week for whoever's response to that. That is pedantic. In, in pedantic but you corner. know what? I enjoy that. So thank you. Sincerely, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's said so often, you never bother to, I never bother to look it up, yeah. you know? Uh, so 
Thanks, Jerry. I actually did not know that was a Tennyson quote. So, cool. Thank nice. you, Tennyson, for coining an idiom. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that because All we use right. it often. Okay, so last week um, when Favara goes up to, oh, what were they calling them? Lapdogs? <laughs> Cronin and uh, oh, Von, <laughs> Von Klemp. Oh, Von yeah, those asswipes. Did you guys get the impression that she didn't know who Von Klemp was? A little bit. Yeah, because she was Cause, like, oh, it talks. Or she was like, does it, didn't yeah, she say so something on, like that? I think it's like the very last page of BPRD 1946. She tells the professor everything they ever, uh, like, she gives him the rundown on that guy. She, like, oh. reads off the case file. So she 100% knows who that is. And she's known since at least 46. Because remember, they encounter him on that spider body. Yeah. Oh, right. And then at the end, I didn't actually go back and read it, but she visits Broom in the hospital. Remember? Yeah. Like, pretends to be his daughter or something. And she's like, oh, yeah, so whatever happened to that guy? He's like, I don't really know. She's like, oh, okay, well, here's everything he's ever done. And, like, breaks it all down for him. So I just thought that was a little weird. No, that's Rasputin. I think that's Rasputin. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, wait. No, you're absolutely right. She says, Dr. Herman von Klempt was a specialist in bioengineering, worked on Himmler, on human-machine hybrid army until explosion damaged him. So I guess maybe she forgot. But Seems head and jaw was, was very no, I, I but I do like your comment because I think maybe she doesn't want him to know that yeah, she knows she's playing it off who he is. Ooh. Does that he's make like, sense? Oh, who's your friend? Yeah, and yeah. In a way that, like, let me hold it. Right, I like right, things right. in jars. Yeah. I've been in a jar too, <laughs> right? I like things in well, jars. Yeah, well, yeah. I was gonna say maybe it's because she spent so long in the jar, she just. Misplay. I mean, not not that she forgot, she just didn't remember. Right, right. Maybe that kind of messed her up being in that, you know, isolated yeah, thing know. for so long. Yeah. Although, although, although she is a demon from hell, she's probably she knows. lying. She knows. She knows. I yeah. love oh. the idea that she knows. I think that's much more interesting. That's really, yeah. I hadn't even thought cool about that. Cool point. Thank yeah, you for bringing cool. that up. Sure. That's my hey you damn guys. Yeah. Like, so really I, writing it down. I have to mention <laughs> awesome. this because people are going to correct me. Aubrey said something about it's a 20 sided room. And I said, yeah, it's a dodeki. That's the 12 sided thing. A, a oh. 20 sided thing is called <laughs> icosahedron. <laughs> Don't at me. Don't fucking at me. It's icosahedron. It's fine. All right. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. This week, we're continuing our discussion of. BPRD, The Devil You Know, Messiah. This week we're covering issues three through five. These were published in September through November 2017. Co-written by Mignola, art by Lawrence Campbell, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. We've got some amazing covers by Duncan Fregredo again. Last week I said the gang's all back, but this week the gang is really all back because issue three featured a backup story by the amazing Matt Strackbine. Matt Strackbine. Yeah. So that's uh, so we'll be getting into that after we read the issues, but I did want to mention that that was in this first issue that we're going to cover. And let's talk about this issue three cover. You know, Matt, I know that you uh, you mentioned well, this hey. to me, that you kind of <laughs> like, not to spoil it too much, but your backup story this week is about Howard's, and then you found out that this was the cover for it. Yeah, they gave me options. They were like, who, who do you want to work on next? And it was like Wald from The Lobster, from Lobster Johnson. Oh, yeah. I forget who the other ones were. But I, you know, I was like, Howard's, what are you kidding me? So (laughs) 
So I think I was like an hour into like outlining the comic and I was sent this image and they were like, Hey, check out the cover. And I was like, thanks for nothing. (laughs) Oh, great. Everyone will see Duncan's version and then they'll see my crap version in the back. (laughs) It's so unfair, (laughs) but it was really, it was like really intimidating. So Actually, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I could just say it now with with this particular comic, I went like big cartoon. Like I was trying to be goofy because oh. I knew I had to go in the other yeah. direction. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So to... even if there's like blood and gore or whatever, I was trying to be goofy. Nice. That's good to know. I do. I do really like this one that we'll get, but we'll talk about that later. And we open the story on Galdinar. You know, speaking of Howard's. And this guy that's fighting next to him with, like, the face paint on his uh, neck and shoulders, that's Ando. And this guy was also in the Abyss of Time story where he first met that character. And Galdinar's hacking away at the cold people. Really cool. I love, um, have we seen Lawrence Campbell do Galdinar? You would know that better than me. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that as I was reading this. Sometimes, somehow it seemed like this was, like, a new version of this character that I hadn't seen. I love the expressions that he... That he gives the character. They talk about how Galdinar fights like his father. They enter any battle glad to fight until the enemy fell or they did. They say you're like your father and he's like, there's no higher praise. That look on uh, Galdinar's face is just like, oh, this is, I, I don't know. I just really like the look on his face. He, well, he's, he's happy. Does he, he ever he, smile like that? Yeah. So it's unusual. Yeah. It's interesting. It really it makes yeah. you notice it for sure. Yeah. I de- that definitely yeah. that stood out to me too. I like um, the panel on the corner of that page. That depiction of Galdinar right. I think is really amazing, and it's got that you know Lawrence Campbell kind of photorealistic yeah. element to it. Ando wonders if they'll ever drive the cold people back, and I like how they whisper. They look at the kids and then they whisper, you know, because they don't want them to hear. What if these things are never vanquished, Ando asks. Truth, Galdinar responds, I don't think they will be. That's how I feel right now, living in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going Same. away. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, let's stay in the fantasy world. You're good. <laughs> we cut back to the BPRD ship. I love the framing on this, with it in front of the moon and stuff like that. That is so cool. And we get this scene of Liz and Abe. They're trying to catch up on everything. So this is like the big kind of, you know, they're catching up, but I think it's also catching us up because it had been a while since it's a clip show. You know, everything had ended it, exactly. If it was show. like if it was a TV show, you would cut away to little yeah, vignettes of absolutely. like stuff happening. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Like once again, I appreciate that this isn't one of those deals where they have to say each other's first and last name at the beginning of every <laughs> issue. You still do need to have. Like, there's no genuine jumping on point. Right. Even when they've advertised that in the past, it's not really true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and even if it is some sort of a jumping on point, you're missing out. Yeah. If you haven't read up to that point. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in this. If, if you were reading this, this, this dialogue between these two characters for the first time, you wouldn't, you would be missing out on a lot of what's going on here because they have, a history that we know full well. Yeah. Yeah. When I was reading them catching up and all that, I, I didn't realize that they haven't seen each other since the events of uh, uh, Tiger Frogs. Yeah, it's thing. been a super long time. Yeah, it's been a whole cycle. The whole Hell on Earth cycle, they weren't together at all, I don't think. No, because like, uh, she was yeah. AWOL for a while, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's this one part, this is going to come back around later, it's just a nice little character moment where Abe's like, why don't we? Going too fast, you'd be blown off. And he's like, I would be... So that's that comes back later. This little what, whatever conversation we're picking up on because we're kind of thrown into the middle of them already talking, and she mentions to Abe that she can fly. I love the expression on Liz's face when she says that. That little panel right there. Liz tells Abe how Kate and Panya died, how Johan died taking down the Ogdra Jihad. We get a nice flashback to the end of days here. She mentions O'Donnell called it the Ogdra Jihad, but I can't tell if that's its name or if that's like a race. You know, and we know that there's more of them still up there. That was just one of the seven. They make this comment about Panya too. Abe says, she's the one who encouraged me to leave. She knew more than she let on. And so I went back to the Abe Sapiens series when Abe woke up, all evolved, and Panya told him that the BPRD members were foot soldiers in an unwinnable war and that that wasn't meant for Abe. You were born for the world that's coming. Your world, Panya said at the time. And there's even this part where Liz is like, she starts telling him about Yosef, and she's like, right, you didn't know him. Like, that's how long it's been. Like, Abe didn't even know that guy either. Um, but she she talks about how they joined the Russian forces. Wasn't Abe the one that actually found Yosef? Um, oh, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about I mean, I don't think that Yosef was like, oh, hi, I'm Yosef. Uh, I'm going to be leading the uh, special services. No, not at the time. Yeah. 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 But uh, so, I mean, I I know that why Abe doesn't make the connection, but I I was just thinking for myself and for listeners, didn't Abe, wasn't Abe the one that found him? He did meet him initially, but he wasn't the Yosef that he became with the, like, he couldn't even talk yet. Yeah. Um, That's probably a really popular name over there. Yeah. Like, you know, th- when I first read this, I was thinking to myself, like, I know something Abe doesn't know. If he knew that, it would be, his mind would be blown. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, <laughs> he went far, you know? He really but, did. Like, it is sort of amazing that Abe met him dead, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how long had he been in the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, yeah. And so then the next time it, you know, classic bookend right dead when you met him dead next time you hear about him. yeah <laughs> wow that's great aubrey thank you so much for bringing that up you're absolutely right about that you know i i, I just love joseph i thought he was a great character and like all the characters i love they die yeah <laughs> okay so you see the page where they flash back to johan going up against one of the seven right and we mm-hmm. know lawrence campbell for those big splash pages. Oh, yeah. Those huge panels, right? Like, that's why we love him on BPRD. But then you turn the page and there's this seven panel page, right? I have this, like, curse where I count the panels. Oh, you talked about comics. this. Yeah, I can't not do it. Sometimes I'll just go back and read a comic just to count the panels and look at the layouts. So, for this one, okay, in this series, Campbell's, I mean, he's clearly on fire. But even though we know him for these larger panels and splash pages he is a kind of comic book artist that only gets better the more panels thrown at him (laughs) you know it's like how george perez the comic book artist they'd say okay man there's like 20 characters in this one panel can you do it and he's like let's make it 400 (laughs) yeah like you would do that so i feel like sometimes maybe lawrence campbell's like i'm gonna add a panel you know like, 
make it nine or whatever, but <laughs> but in counting in counting the panels through these comics, it's the seven panel and the eight panel pages that are really, really standout pages. So if if anyone out there cares to count the panels as you read, you'll notice that when he hits like seven or eight panels in a page, it's that much more impactful. Yeah. So like he has no weak spot. He can sprint or do long distance. Yeah, I you know love it. I mean, he could do he can do one big panel and blow you away, or he can do eight and blow you away in the same way, differently. Yeah, and that, is, that is worth mentioning. This is one of the reasons why I miss having you on the show talking. Oh about yeah, like <laughs> yeah. like comic books are. I, I've said this before too. This is like um, a Kurt Busiek line, and it's. I'm butchering it, but he said something like the experience that happens between the creator and the page is different than the page and the reader experience. So like the way they intended this to be made might not be the way it's read. Mm. And so when somebody is clearly nailing it and I think I'm reading it the way he intended, it's worth mentioning. And that's, that's harder and harder to do with more panels. Right. And, and he does it effortlessly. Yeah, and it flows so well. I mean, I, yeah, that's I, I what read, I mean. No, I, I, like the pacing is intact. Yeah, I mean, I've read some comics where I'm just like, none of this makes any fucking sense at all. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's it's a lot of information, so to try to make that engaging, you know, you would think that it would be challenging, but like you said, uh, these this Lawrence Campbell work is amazing with these character moments. Liz tells Abe about how Yosef died and Enos died, and Tian, we just lost him. Oh, remember Ted Howard's? And Abe kind of asserts himself, right? He's like, Liz, I can't listen to a rundown of everyone who's died. And she apologizes. And then Abe says, what will Devon think? He still thinks you're the Antichrist. We'll talk about that later, <laughs> Abe responds. And she kind of looks at him. They give her this panel where she's got a reaction shot to him just saying, we'll talk about that later. Maybe he doesn't understand just how severe Devin's behavior is. Oh, Maybe that's right. what that face is. Okay. She's been dealing with him constantly and he hasn't had to. And she's sure. like, you're kind of in for it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to prepare you yeah. for this. So there's this dream sequence. I want to talk about this. So we get kind of these panels where, what is this effect in the background? It's a dream stage i like thing. that yeah. yeah but i mean i don't know how to describe you don't it. really it's remember just... all the details of yeah being in a dream. i love that like... it's really a cool way to depict that kind of idea i thought i thought this was the cosmic eyes sure it's absolutely <laughs> what, cosmic what do we eyes. call those the yeah hammer yeah uh, the yeah. um yeah the cosmic i i forgot what we it's call it but it, it resembles it's kind of like it a portal or something right yeah it kind of it does look like an eye though i think you're you know yeah. Oh, wow. It does kind of look like an eye. Mm-hmm. I guess this is Connor. Wait, is that her eye when she wakes up? Oh, it could mm. be. Yeah. It... I don't know. Um, maybe I'm just reading too much into that now at this point. Now that you've said it, I cannot unsee it. So thank you for that. That's cool. <laughs> she says, we need to go, Mommy. So I guess that's Connor, her son, Jiroko's son. The figure that Connor's with says, East, aren't you tired of this? And Jiroko, everybody's dead. That's Nichols, O'Donnell, and maybe that other soldier. Maybe that's Tien, but they're all dead. And then Jiroko wakes up. So we realize that that's her dream. And I love that expression yeah. that Campbell gives her. Because you're just like, the reader too, you're like, oh, now it's getting to the agents. You know yeah. what I mean? This dream that people are having of Vivara and all this kind of stuff. Well, I, w- I was also wondering if her kid, you know, Connor 
his dream was slipping into her dream. Oh, okay. Because yeah. maybe 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 Connor is dreaming of Avara and Avara is getting into Carla's mind through her kid. Yeah. And this dream looks like really messed up too cuz it looks like she has a knife in the dream. Like did she kill them or something like that or is she cutting them up? Dreams are weird. <laughs> yeah, she's got a knife in her hand. Yeah. She's like murdering them or Yeah. Something. Wow. Yeah. Bloody thoughts. We cut back to Abe and Liz and they're continuing to talk. This is where Abe's like, you wanted to go out on the deck so you could smoke. That was that line earlier where yeah. she was like, no, you'll fly off, but I can fly. Right. I could hang out out there, but you can't. You'd be blown off. He's so, had kind of a history with like, ah, you know, I don't like it when you smoke. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I like this, how he's like hitting his head. Like he's like, oh, of course. You know yeah. what I mean? This next thing here, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a little bit awkward. I probably would have preferred to see something like, Oh, and, you know, Ted and I are together. I'm sure you already noticed that by whatever. And we could have, like, a panel of them, whatever. And, like, they, in the field, like, they kissed once in the field or they, you know. Right, Something right. like that. Like, they could, it could show a shot of them, like, in their room together or something. But it's kind of, I just felt like this was a little stilted and awkward. Like, that's not really how. I've never been a writer on yeah. this series. So, you know, who am I to talk about this? But I probably would have prefer to see just something like a little bit more liz does this seem like liz to you well i guess I like a boyfriend tucking my hair behind him like it, it, i feel like she's like giving him a rundown of who all is dead and i feel like she would have probably similarly just thrown that in there like, oh yeah you know ted and i are together and all right stuff. And right so it's it's going well it's different you know that right. kind of a thing it's a little you know but i i don't know i just felt like this was a little bit awkward i have a boyfriend is that something that you say when you're 12 like, well the, the way that i took this moment because it does look like the way that she kind of closes her eyes and she puts her hair behind. There's yeah. a lot happening there. Yeah. And it almost made me feel I like... I get it. I mean, I get it. Like it's a little awkward to talk about because of two reasons. I, I sure. think one is... They and, had and, a little thing. And, and I've always talked about this yeah, too. I always absolutely. thought Liz and Abe had a little bit of a connection. Even Abe is going to say, you having a boyfriend is kind of weird. It's going to take right, some right, getting right. used to. Sure. But then I also thought like Liz is sheltered. Like she's been in this facility you know, since she was right. a little yeah, girl. That's true. And I don't think that she's ever had right. a boyfriend. Like has she ever had any kind of romantic sure. relationship whatsoever? So I think that that was also it too like... Oh, hey, and also this weird thing that I've experienced for the first right, time. Yeah. Like, Abe. That makes sense. Yeah. You could almost say that Abe had a quote unquote girlfriend when he was with Grace for all that time. I mean, you know, in the yeah. Abe Sapien series. So I think, like, they've both had these separate experiences, and I think that she just wants to gush with an old friend she's and say, it out there, yeah. hey, this and this and this and this and all this stuff. And she's like overloading him with all this stuff, but she still okay, wants yeah. to get the. I don't know. That's how I took sure, it. What, no, what do absolutely, you guys think? For sure. I, I can see that. I agree with that. I lean more towards the way that John was was interpreting it because I just feel like they've known each other for so long. She has been kind of sheltered, and I don't think she's ever really had a boyfriend right. before. And she's known Abe practically her whole life and so she telling abe that i feel like she was just like you know I, I i told you about all of our friends who are dead but i also wanted to mention the fact that i have a boyfriend and um you know it's it's that's a happy thought that's yeah happy sure thing. absolutely i'm you not know? denying that and i'm just saying i think that's the, the way that she said it was kind of awkward i wouldn't have pictured okay. a grown woman her age being like well i have a boyfriend now yeah you know i well, I, I would have just but, said oh yeah i'm with ted i'm sure that you noticed but i, but I, but I figured us kissing. It, it's not that she would say that to anybody else but i feel like that's just because she's saying it okay. to abe who she's known hmm. and, and abe 
I mean, I feel like she would probably have a, a similar conversation with Hellboy if he were around, but he's not. You know, we all know. Right. I just is. think the wording uh, was a little juvenile, but saying it that way, I, I guess I can picture that of like she's she's just kind of yeah. super excited to I, tell him. So yeah. Well, it, it's just I feel like with with Abe and and also Hellboy. Liz has, can let her guard down. Sure, yeah. And she's always such a no-nonsense, hardcore person that when yeah. I see moments like this, I'm almost kind of like, what? What? Who is this? But I can understand that acting different around uh, people who are in your closest circle. That's that's definitely true. That's something that happens. So that is interesting. I like that. Yeah, not, not to be crass, but she's getting laid now. I yeah. mean, it's like Firewoman <laughs> and Prehistoric Man are doing it. Sure. Come on. <laughs> the match made in heaven. Yeah, there you go. Like, they're like... Again, I'm not... Oh, I'm not it's the I'm, end of the world. I'm not coming after them being together. I just thought that the delivery was a little weird. But after hearing you guys be like, well, maybe she's just acts different with Abe. Like, sure, I'll buy that. That's cool. I think she's having endorphin overload. There you go. Her guard is down because she's around her friend. Yeah. Sure, sure. I'll buy that. And they talk some more. She tells him about Howard's and about the sword. He found it in Chicago at a temple of an old cult. That might have been the place where Ed Gray was killed. And ever since, he's been like Conan. Did you know that that line was going to be in there, Matt? We'll come back to it when we get yeah, to your was, story. As, as soon as I read that, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what Matt thinks about this. Yeah, we can come back to that. Okay. Okay, excellent. Yeah, because I thought it was interesting. I, I hadn't that- read it. I hadn't oh, read it. You hadn't read it. Didn't it didn't go okay. unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. I typically don't like clip shows because it's so hard to shoehorn them into something without it being super boring. But this makes total sense. Yeah. That this is the stuff they'd be catching up on. Well, and it's They've been us- separated for so long. And so this is. It, this actually is something where I'm, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. That's not entirely out of place. And it's giving us new information yeah. too. It's like giving a yes, catching us right. up, and it's yeah. also giving us new stuff. So that's that's acceptable to me. <laughs> you know, what's cool is like the flashbacks in these stories in these specific issues that we're reading today. This is like sounds silly, but it's like looking through somebody's um, photo album of their life. And in this case, though, there may be clues <laughs> that okay. help them understand what's going on with them because they're like always evolving these mm, characters yeah. right like all the characters in the in the bprd like the agents with powers would they call them we were calling them metahumans but i don't think they've ever used that term in the right. book ever since like the end of hellboy in hell i have felt like what i used to refer to as bprd in the streets is over like long gone by yeah now, for sure like, I don't feel like I'm in the room with the characters. I feel like I'm watching this from a distance. Mm. And so that's why these flashbacks to me feel like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. But I'm just looking at one image, you know, and it's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. It encapsulates point, that very well. Yeah. And at this point, it's just us knowing more about that image and that absolutely time or that moment than the character does. I get I get and that. that's it's- why I feel like I'm separated yeah you know what i mean i get that it's for the benefit of the reader but i also feel like this is one of the rare instances where they manage to make it make sense sure in the story and have and not have it be totally like why is there a clip show in the middle of my comic book instead it's like you know i this actually makes sense she would be talking to him about this stuff and that would be one i think it's it's but it's like meant to be even more informative for the characters than the reader yeah yeah you know, like it actually works and isn't good. annoying and awkward. Yeah, again, they're not like <laughs> there's hey, a reason. Sherman, let me tell you something, Abe Sapien. You yeah. know, they're not. You're, you're, you're a fish man who name. fused with a guy in a. And then you fish involved, and, and then I know were... I haven't seen you in this many yeah, years. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not go. like that at all. So I was very grateful for that, for sure. 
what I always like about these kind of flashbacks or whatever is again to see another artist depict an event. Yes. So, yes. you know, we Absolutely. got Howard's going crazy by James Heron, and here we get to see Lawrence Campbell's version of that, where yeah. he's just like going crazy. Good I stuff. love the berserker mode. And you, Liz, you have the power of fire. Is it fire? Maybe it's magic. It's probably magic. Did you know that? Right. You, you killed your whole entire family when you were a kid. And she's like, I know that, Abe. But also our friend is named Hellboy, and he is a devil, <laughs> right. a devil kid. Or yeah, and that's uh, like that's like page one, panel two. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, that, at that point, I'm skipping pages. So I appreciate the effort that they went through to make it like this instead. But I did want to mention Conan. You know, obviously, he was created by Robert E. Howard in 1932 and published in the Weird Tales magazine. And famously launched Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Where would Arnold be without Conan the Barbarian? Well, he would still probably have done something amazing. They also, talk- Robert E. Howard was the faithful pen pal of H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Nice. I didn't know that. Among others. But yeah, but those two guys specifically had a lot of correspondence. Nice. Mostly about storytelling and stuff like that. Cool. So they talk a little bit about this relationship. She says that Devon hates it and he quotes like how it's against the rules or whatever. But she's like, these kind of things just happen. I kind of feel like, why is there bureaucracy anymore? Right. (laughs) There's this literally the apocalypse with these huge other dimensional hell monsters. And he's like, well, you know, protocol says that you can't date. (laughs) Like, oh, are you kidding? Right. And you're really going to tell the most two super powered people on the team, you know. No. Well, I mean, it's it's Devin, so he's an asshole. So fuck him. You know what I'm saying is, it's like who could possibly respect this person as any in any type of leadership role? Like, why? Well, how is that even working? There's no way. And he, they, I mean, he would be immediately just stripped of power. Like, no, no one's listening to you. What are you talking about? Well, it's like Liz says, no one respects Devin. Yeah. Why would they? If I if I think about this in real life, until very recently, I have never had a manager who was worthy of the role. Now, that's right. mainly in the corporate world, but it's like, how did this guy get to be in charge? <laughs> yeah. At least qualified person in the building yeah. is running the show. That seems like pretty much, it, it seems very realistic yep. to me. Yeah. Yeah. But this city, even if he is just a field manager, that they would, or field, what what they call him, director? Yeah. That, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, really? This guy's going to follow Kate? Are you kidding me? And uh, it's not like Kate left behind a le- uh, letter of recommendation for him or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously doubt it. I mean, their pool for picking a new person was probably very limited, but for some reason they picked him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And what is this? What are these panels of of them just like showing him st- staring bug eyed up at the ceiling, just wide eyed, just staring angrily? <laughs> I know. At the ceiling. What are these shots? What is this? I love that, that expression we're looking on at. his face. It's just, yeah. it's the most deranged yeah. facial expression. What I is think this that's moment? Him. That, I think that's him going, this is too big for me. I'm so I fucking mad. There. You know how, like, if you're truly stressed about something in your life, it will keep you up at night, literally, and you will be laying there dwelling on it instead of sleeping. And I think they're talking about it. They're talking about him. And then when they cut to him, it's like, oh, here he is in bed. Oh, he's not asleep. He's wide awake, and he's dwelling on the fact that nobody respects him. This, yeah. this, knows him. this smash cut to him with this expression on his face, 
I actually I actually funny. laughed aloud because I didn't yeah. know what this was supposed to be and I was it was just it, the absurdity of it just the most bizarre expression on this man's face he's just laying there still it was almost yeah. <laughs> it was almost comedy like I didn't understand what it was supposed to be and I asked John it's like what is this moment it's meant to signify what are we supposed to feel here i think he's just like matt said he's deranged yeah. he's losing it you know it's too much for him i almost felt to have a back yeah. on top of everything else is yeah. too much i almost felt like yeah. this was is this like a break with reality like is he yeah is this i i i took it as i kind of you know how i take it there immediately i took it as like this is foreshadowing he is like his something is affecting his mind right like one of the Ogdru. Okay. Him or whatever, Ogdru Jihad or like, Interesting. He's he's like a weird guy now and it's we shouldn't trust him because of that. I don't know, because I didn't know what this they made such a point of it. It's almost an entire page of him just yeah. being weird. Yeah. So well, I was like, is this a thing? Like what is the what's gonna happen with Devin? Right. But it turns out he's just like a weirdo, I guess. Because <laughs> well, later he seems fine, he just seems like a jerk. Well, I mean, I, I didn't take it as anything like involving like the Audrey him or the Audrey. Sure, guy. no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like my mind was I, I, jumping I, to I like what like, could it be? Oh no, I I figured it is his hatred and fear of AIDS. Sure, because I mean, look at look at this first panel. He's like his hand is like grabbing the bed. I'm just oh, so wow. mad that Abe You're is right. back. I'm just so, so mad. He, I thought he was it, having it, a freak his out. Eyes are, he, he he probably is freaking out. I mean, his eyes are his his body is tense. His eyes, right. eyes are tense and everything like that. And he probably thought he was done with A, but all of a sudden here's A back, and he right. thinks A is the Antichrist. Exactly. Uh, no, that's yeah, that's definitely what it is. Yeah. He's thinking about how mad he is that Ava is yeah. here. But like, just for a yeah. second, I was like, this is a very extreme reaction that this man is having. <laughs> am I am I sure that this isn't just like you know? Of course, obviously, it's for the story's sake. It's just normal freaking out. Like Devin's like, I'm just so mad at this guy. Right. But yeah. For a second, cut- my mind was like, what if this is otherworldly freaking out? I don't know. So. Well, I mean, he could also be like freaking out because I don't think people know that he just let Phoenix shoot Abe. You know? Oh, that's gonna oh, come out. Oh shit! You're right, Aubrey. That's oh, gonna. That's what it is. He's that's thinking come about out. that. He that's gonna come back and bite him in the oh, ass. Oh man, he's thinking yeah. about what he did. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. just sitting okay. there like yes. having stress and stress. Okay. And he can't. That's sleep. the one. Like, that's the one. Yeah. Really getting to him. That is and a good cut- moment. Then. Good job, Aubrey. Yeah, that's good. See, in con- in that context, this moment mm-hmm. is. Ooh, yeah. That's that's the yeah. stuff. That's the Chef's kind of intensity <laughs> that I'm looking for <laughs> yeah. in people's interpersonal relationships. This guy is going to do something extreme about yeah. it. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I bet John and John and uh, Matt know. But I feel like Devin might try to do something to hurt Abe. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Good antagonist, yeah. Uh, backstory type shit. I like it. Okay. Back with Abe and I like Liz. A weaselly antagonist. <laughs> They're so fun to hate. Sorry, go ahead. Back with Abe and Liz. They talk about England as well. How Abe saw England before he came back to America. That was in the Garden Three. They talk about Liz's powers too. Since she's tapped into the Vril, she looks 20 years younger. She says she tried to repress, then tried to control the fire. Now it flows through her. She's a channel. And I like how she makes, is this like a lotus? Yeah. With the fire? You know, and it makes me think of Crimson Lotus, or Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, The old woman, where were they? In Munich? Oh, you're right. The lotus. Was that a lotus? Yes. 
That's the that's what it is. The old woman gave her that, and she passed out, and then that, that's how Memnon saw took over her mind for all that time. So uh, now, what you just said would be lost on anyone reading this for the first <laughs> time. But you know that Memnon saw took over her mind for the first. It's just it's cool. It, you can read this stuff and be like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Or yeah. you can read it and be like, dude, and then remember? This, yeah, you look like Charlie yeah. Day in front of the map. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Um. <laughs> Well, when Abe says, like, you know, you look good and looking at you could be like 20 years ago, it, it reminded me that like, Liz was born in 1964 and she's 10 years older than me. <laughs> yeah, right. Huh. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's just like her powers are um, keeping her keeping her uh, young. Yeah. yeah. Or keeping her. Because, you know, like, well, you know, just getting old just means your cells just stop replicating and you know it might literally be keeping her young yeah yeah Yeah. so so her powers are just keeping herself just just rocking and rolling yeah wow um so here she says uh this is an interesting little comment here i i I like that because the vril they comment about the physical difference that the vril is making right that the effect that it's having on her physical body here i think we're getting is this a glimpse into how it's affecting her mind is this some phoenix shit she goes they never could have stopped the Ogdrahim without me. Yeah. They never could have stopped the Ogdrahim without me. Right. Yeah. Right? That kind of thing, depending on how you... She's... she's. When she said that, I kind of stopped. I was like, this is not mm. quite Liz. Interesting. So they're just now talking about the physical effects of Riller having on her. Is this to kind of lead us into, oh, it's maybe it's having an effect on her mind or her personality? Right. Or something yeah. like that? Because it kind of is. Her character is like. still developing yeah. after all this. yeah, Which is great. And I love that characters aren't just stagnant. Like, I'm this one and I'm that one. And, you know, they're always evolving and always changing. Like, Devin, like, when we first saw met Devin, we are like, this guy rocks. He's fine. And now yeah. we're like, no. <laughs> we don't like this guy. So I like that they're constantly evolving and changing. There's always something. You, yeah. It keeps you on your toes. No, I, I didn't think about it that way. Um, I, I took it as in, like, as a matter of fact kind of way where she's just saying because you know she says like you know Abe's like you're a vestal and she's like no I'm a channel it flows through me and pause they never could have defeated them without me yeah why would she say that I just felt like you know she was just being matter of factly I didn't think it was arrogant is that a matter of fact thing to say though but 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 uh well I mean she is catching up a but but you do make a good point maybe it is affecting her and I didn't even think about that so thank you um yeah it just seems like they never could have done this without me is kind of a comment that that's that's outside of describing what happened and then i took down an ogdrahim by doing this well i want to come back to this uh this idea too because i think that there's another comment the very next thing he's like yeah but johan did this and she's like yeah well jesus i can't do it all and she even like there's some fire there too you know um, I, I wonder if she threw down the lotus flower or yeah. something like that. And he's like, whoa, you've thrown a lot at me. So Johan killed the mother? You know, he yeah, like he's goes trying back. to <laughs> backpedal a little bit here. She talks about how all the other Ogdrahim went dormant, but there's still all the hammerheads out there and stuff like that. We get another uh, great panel of Howard's just going crazy, jumping around with that super... Did he jump off the horse? As it was running, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> this I is so, so cool. <laughs> we cut over to Professor O'Donnell. Professor so, O'Donnell. Yeah, this is a neat little scene because he's like, oh, Leonid said they spoke German. Remember in the last couple of issues, they encountered all those vampires, right? The fungus vampires. They wore oh, a right. colonial garb. 
And so he's looking at a picture here. Did you or Danielle, uh, Aubrey or Danielle, did you guys notice who that picture is, who that guy is right there? The sailor guy? Well, it has Anders. That Anders, right yeah. Yeah, that's it's Anders. And so uh, O'Donnell says, the professor had a theory, never proven, they hid. So remember, the vampires hid. They've been hiding all this time. So O'Donnell's starting to figure out, you know, this vampire thing, picking up on that thread from the last episode. I have to say that I I think it's pretty impressive that O'Donnell was able to get his entire, uh, a lot of his library out of the BPRD headquarters before it blew up um, and stuck with him. (laughs) Yeah, I have to think like stuff like that is pri- is a priority maybe. Like they're like, okay, and you got to get all of Professor O'Donnell's shit. You know what I mean? You got to get all the well, rare books he, or whatever. Wasn't he making copies of it at one point? Yeah, they were like trying to digitize all of them and stuff like that. I yeah, think. That wasn't yeah, that was going well. I, I yeah. bet they just gave up on that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in a company that we tried to digitize everything and they just gave up too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back with Abe and Liz... Abe notices that his scar is gone from getting shot, saving Grace in the garden part one. It seems like he regenerated in that cocoon where they found him in that van in the last episode. I like how he says, you know, I got shot and she's like in Texas and he's like, how'd you hear about that? And all of a sudden he's like, thinks about Phoenix and he's like, oh, no, I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the time with Grace. Yeah. So he got shot twice in Texas. Oh, you're absolutely right. Okay. Yeah, that guy had a shotgun or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so he does mention that. That happened in the Abe Sapien series. This is where they talk again about meeting Alice. Abe mentions meeting Alice in England and learning of Hellboy's death. Liz mentions that Kate met her too. That was in an unmarked grave. And in that story, Alice tried to get Kate to stay with her. Maybe she knew, Abe says. What, that England was goners, Liz asks? That Kate was, Abe responds. So I want to talk about this because, um, you know, there was that moment that Alice offered Kate to stay there in England and she made a choice to leave. And that choice ultimately, like, what if she had stayed, right? Like, maybe she wouldn't have died. You know, I think that that's just really interesting to think about. I think Kate made the choice not to leave England, but to stay where she was. I think Kate was like, nope. I have a job to do. Yeah. People are depending on me. I face death every day. This is, I'm not sure Kate was like, hey, that sounds like an invitation to live forever or, you know, or in the new world or right, whatever. Right, right. Well, oh, cool. I want to watch the new world tree grow. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think Kate was going there at all. I think she was more like, no, 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 I've got stuff to do and just like totally brushed that off. Right. Like, wow. Never saw it as an invite. Yeah. Well, I mean, and had she had she stayed with Alice, wouldn't that effectively mean she died there? I guess she or would be part of that die, other. She would be part of that right. other world or the fairy world, maybe or something like that. Okay, when I say die, I just mean like in this world. Yeah, I mean the the real world, the rest of the world on, just thought yeah. that she had died. You know, she would have moved so, on. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I, I agree. I mean, she, she Kate was the kind of person she had things to do. I know, I mean... But that would have been so cool, though, to see, like, you know, how they always showed Ed Gray before you knew it was him? Yeah. Cloaked. 
or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be cool to see Kate back there with a cloak on or something. Yeah. (laughs) Just like all mystic and tripped out now, like full Jedi or something. That would be so awesome. (laughs) That would be awesome. Jedi Kate. That's my new, uh, that's the next commission that I'm going to get is I want the, I want that version. Oh, right. The, the The Faye version. That would be so cool. Master Corrigan. Yeah. <laughs> we cut over to the Osiris Club. Remember these old guys? They've been monitoring Hellboy forever. A few months back when we discussed The Visitor, we talked about them in relation to Nature of the Beast. They were also the ones who hired Hellboy for the Wild Hunt, and then he and then those hunters tried to kill him. In that story, they also killed two of their own members for wanting to tell the Prime Minister that Hellboy had Excalibur. Do you remember that scene where they were like, we so must funny. notify the I Prime Minister, and they're like, boom, boom, we're going to kill both of you too. And they talked about, but in, in that epilogue, I went back and looked at that, there was a lot of information in that little epilogue, in that they talked about how, um, just a little background, they were part of the Heliopic Brotherhood, but then seven of them went aside and they met Larzad, that a Larzad appeared to them, and so the, the Osiris Club is those seven guys that met Larzad. And their destiny, they talked about in the Wild Hunt that their destiny was to cut off Hellboy's hand when he fell to the dragon. But they didn't get to do that when he fought Nimue, you know, he was dragged down into hell. And so at the end of of, uh, the Fury, they're like, and what happened to the hand now? And the old lady's like, he still wears it in hell. It's still his burden or whatever. But that's what they wanted to do. That was their plan is like, oh, when... Hellboy fights the dragon and he dies. We're going to go cut off the hand. So I kind of went back and kind of looked at all that. And I do like this, uh, the way that they talk, you know, and he's like, are you sure this isn't merely the quiet that comes in battle as the enemy pauses to reload? Do not attempt poetry, Charles. It doesn't suit you. (laughs) (laughs) And and you got to read like what he says before that, because this is relevant where he says, but that it would bring with it this calm. Oh, the dragon coming to Earth. They're talking about the Audra Jihad, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of mystery here, and I investigated the whole thing fully. I even DM'd Mark Tweedale because <laughs> I was running into dead ends, and he cleared it all up. So anyway, continue. Oh, Next okay. This is where I'll bring it up. Nice. Uh, I just want to bring up the fact that these guys, you know, fucking, you know, they're still drinking brandy and smoking cigars at the end of the world. Fuck these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was also, yeah, they're always at a little party. What are these yeah. suits that they're in? What are these yeah. outfits? I was just going to say like this one guy that says, do not attempt poetry. It doesn't suit you. Like, how many how many years have they been stuck together in this little parlor or whatever? You know yeah. what I mean? They're like sick of each other at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they killed two of their good members. Yeah. There are more trite metaphors regarding calm after all, the old lady says. And then we see this skeleton sitting across from them. Okay, so what is this? I'm glad that you did some research into this, Matt, because I yeah. had no idea where we were here. I was like, wait a second. Did I... I am not remembering something important. Does anybody know who this skeleton is? Is that... I don't know. Is that Eugene Remy? Okay, no. So, uh-huh. um, but I want to talk about him, too. I think maybe in the next issue... Uh, anyway... I don't want to get ahead of myself. So when I first read this years ago now, uh, I remember going straight to the multiversity review because I, I was like, Mark will know who this skeleton is because I'm at a loss here. The skeleton. Um, yeah, skeleton. So, <laughs> But he didn't. Like in the review, it was brought up and he goes, yeah, I don't know what that was. So, and I started, I, I've always remembered that. So when I reread this, I was like, 
they never or okay so here's the thing when you come across like these little mysteries in these books there's a chance that they might not ever explain it and if they do maybe you just missed it yeah so in rereading it i was like no i think there's an opportunity to figure out what's going on right here so i was totally wrong i thought it was the member in wasteland because they were just showing us howard's in chicago from wasteland yeah remember there was a three-way shootout that's where uh who was the agent i can't remember but anyway this guy this heliopic brotherhood guy pops out oh this remember? old guy yes and he's wearing the tux and he's got a medallion and they have they all shoot each other yes right and that's why when howards wakes up every or when the bprd show up everyone's dead yes right yes i do remember and there were that. scratches in the floor because that's the same room where ed gray was dragged into hell yes right? i think so so i thought maybe it was that guy and like these osiris guys are like maybe he had to go tend to their old haunt in chicago and ended up getting killed there and they retrieved his body somehow mm. so that's the best thing i could come up with it's shaky, I admit it. But I DM'd Mark and was like, dude, is there anything to this? And he goes, no, that guy was from the Silver Star Club. So that wasn't the Osiris Club. So that's something totally different. Oh, okay. And more like a more like one of the last possible surviving members from the Heliopic Brotherhood of Rock. So, you know, and then I was like, okay, well, there's only six of them here. And there's supposed to be seven. So that's got to be the seventh member, right? Hmm. And I was like, so what happened, Mark? One of their members died. We don't get to know how or why. And so then he says, and I, this is classic, because he was like, I have a vague idea, which a vague idea from Mark Tweedale about Hellboy is basically 10 out of 10 correct. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so, like, stop being modest or unsure of yourself, because you know you're going to nail it. So turn back to the page. They show the seven right there, and one of them's dead. These guys in the Osiris Club broke off from the Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra, and just like Eugene Remy, they were visited by the spirit Larzad, who gave them immortality, which we know now is apparently linked to the seven, because there's seven of them, and there's seven dragons. One of the dragons is dead now, yes. and so this member's dead. Yes. So as the dragons die, they'll die. Right. That's, what's, that's, what, that, that's what that is. Cool. Like, wow. All right. But like, <laughs> how long have we? No, I didn't go that far back. I didn't read everything all over again. You know, I have a life, but like, I want to because do they ever mention anywhere that these members of the Osiris Club are linked to the Agju Jihad, or is this just now being revealed? Right. I think. I and think not you're even directly that. revealed. Well, and I, you give Mark all the credit. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, all the credit goes to Mark. Vague idea, but I think <laughs> that um, it's being revealed here. You know, yeah. if and maybe it's mentioned, maybe it's mentioned in a line of dialogue. You know, when I went back and looked at the Wild Hunt, I was like, man, they really say a lot here, and I think maybe we didn't unpack all of that when we first read through do they, it. Do they say that each member of the Osiris Club is immortal? I don't know. To I, the Aju Jihad. I, I, I don't, that is, yeah, I don't think so. Well, like, how do you even just say that anyway? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and looking at the this one panel when you see in the Aju Jihad in space and the one crystal broken or something like that, that actually makes total sense because it's, it's reinforcing it because there are the six that are still there and the one that's dead. 
the other little clue is the guy says one part of the dragon comes to earth that alone is unthinkable but that it would bring with it this calm and then on the next page hatton lady hatton says there are more trite metaphors regarding calm after all Mm. so you know i think that's like when you see someone at like a viewing or a wake or something you're like they look so calm yeah you know it's like well they're dead yeah i think that here we're we're supposed to draw a connection between the dragon coming to earth and this guy being dead through the word calm yeah yeah i love that and i also think artistically lawrence campbell is doing something here because like aubrey said there's this kind of extra little floating panel with the object ahead and then on the next page there's a floating panel with the dead guy right yeah cool i love that thank you so much i was wondering about that yeah i couldn't let it go i was like man i'm gonna figure it out right here and i totally didn't at least i came up with some sort of theory yeah it was way off good job calling mark into the into the discussion (laughs) over in the cafeteria on the bprd ship abe and liz are talking and this is where they mention how long it's been since they've seen each other that was uh king of fear at the end of the plague of frogs cycle and I love this. Again, I, I just love seeing this panel because I remember Abe was like, Liz, we can't see you. You're too far ahead. And then that was it, you know. We thought we saved the world, Abe. Liz says, all we did was jumpstart this. And then there's those that panel where it just sits there with them just like both looking down like, I don't know. I think that that's incredible. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Yeah. To think of everything that's happened. And I had to go back and check. We covered The King of Fear on episode 29, a year and nine months ago. Oh, shit. You know, if Uh, they hadn't, if if the events of that arc hadn't gone the way they had, there would have been other problems. Yeah. Like if the King of Fear and the Black Flame team up was allowed to proceed, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Because they would have bungled as much as they got right. Neither way, (laughs) the apocalypse would have just been inevitable but also like i like how after liz says like all we did was jumpstart this abe has a thought of phoenix you know i know who you are and then she shoots him yeah before they had before they had that panel where they just kind of both look down yeah they really have a lot that they're sitting with there abe says that he has some of call's memories the man who discovered that object at the bottom of the sea that thing that made him change into me you know roger tried to convince me of that Back when I was dressing like a college professor. Sweater <laughs> Abe. Yeah, that's that sweater Abe that, that we all love. Well, He's, I mean, uh, well, hold on. I mean, um, you skipped over where Liz says, but aren't you him? Right. That's like, you know, you you know, Roger trying to convince me of that. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. He says that some of it is true. I'm not any threat to mankind, to the world, but something bad is coming. I'm sure of that. I can't stop it. That's not my part in this. And I don't think you can, Liz. Anyway, I can't stop it, but in a way, I might be the key to the future. What future, Liz asks. And then we get another vision of that um, Abe amongst all the frog monsters. You know, we saw that as the cover for um, the, what was it called? The Swamps of Swanee or something like that? It was one of the greatest covers of that year, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is so terrifying to see this Lawrence Campbell version. What are they eating? Oh, I thought that was a hot chocolate. It's a hot chocolate? Oh. Or is it cup of noodles or something? Or coffee? I thought it was coffee. Yeah, it's probably just coffee. Wow, a roiling boil in a coffee? Well, I mean, it's Liz. Maybe she likes it, you know, (laughs) vril. You got to have it that vril temperature. (laughs) 
Jeez, you know, yeah. when you're when you're Liz, you need a strong coffee and a yes. hot temperature. That's her eyes. Her eyes sparking up here. That's what she's doing. Is she's yeah. sending her coffee into a roiling boil <laughs> that will most assuredly give her third degree burns. Well, I guess it won't. Yeah. Anyone else? But I do love this flashback to the swamps of Swanee cover um, with Abe. And that is so terrifying, you know. Still, I guess he thinks that he might just be leader to the frog people or something like that, you know. I yeah. um I, I guess he's still worried about that, but I don't know. Just incredible work. Incredible work by Lawrence Campbell there. We cut over to upstate New York and we see Vivara, everybody's sleeping, all the people that are following her, and she's talking to Von Klempt. He says that he doesn't have any need for sleep. But he asks who she is, and she just says, Tut tut, does he sleep? Who can tell, Von Klemp says. And she's like, should I remove his mask? And he goes, you should not. If I had a body, I should shudder for emphasis. And then she laughs at that. I think that's kind of a fun moment. It's kind of an interesting moment yeah. that she's just like, they're making fun of Cronin between the two of them. We it's see- a great moment, though. Because, I mean, this is like, I started thinking, like, is he talking to her like a granddaughter? And then I was like, man, she's way older than him. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of funny that she's still acting like a little kid. Yeah, I do find this scene, in, in a, you know, in, it's just another version of those great character moments, except it's involving, you know, villains. But I do like seeing these character moments, even when it's uh, characters that we normally aren't really crazy about. You know, they still pull it off really well. We see Abe uh, go back into the lab, and then we see Liz come to bed with Howard's. And is he like awake, but he's pretending he's still asleep? I thought that was that was interesting. I, that's completely how I took it because his his eyes look awake and they kind of look like they're just kind of staring, but he's all like not gonna say anything. Right. I don't know, maybe... it, it, it made me it made me think that he was jealous. Of... Really. Oh, of Abe, Abe that she's spending time. all this time with Abe. Oh, I don't huh. know about that. I, I uh, kind of read he, that as she's coming into the room and he wakes up like because she comes into the room and then goes back to sleep. Okay. She's He's the one who's staring out. out into nothing. He's like, should we? Nope, going to bed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think, yeah, no, seriously, I think he's like, Liz is here. You know, like the room probably just got hotter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just I just took it differently because of the way his eyes kind of look. And that's like traditionally framed in culture in movies and TV shows and comics. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. You know, somebody uh, being a kind of jealousy. And then the way that they're both laying down, like she didn't like curl up next to him or something. She's separate from him, but they're both in the bed together. Right. And. I mean, maybe it's because, you know, she all of a sudden thinks about Phoenix and then her eyes go orange. Yeah. Uh, but I I just kind of took it as, I mean, I'm not saying that it's, it's going to crop up again, but I'm just saying it's part of me just kind of took it as a slight jealousy thing. Hmm. Well, think about Devin, too. Like, who sleeps on this ship? Are they all just laying there with their eyes open yeah. right. and at the ceiling all night? Because Abe is doing the same thing on the previous page. Yeah, that's true. It just didn't strike me as the kind of character who would be like that, I guess. I, don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen any other evidence of that. It seems weird. But So what is going on with Liz here? Is she thinking about Phoenix because Phoenix shot Abe? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. And is so. she like, you know, fuming about that, or I don't know? How do you take that panel where her eyes are all orange while she's lying there thinking about Phoenix? She's being, she's getting weird, and we've seen a lot of that. Yeah, of her being weird. 
So the, I thought that I figured well, that would just roll that into that. Well, I mean, later we do find out that she didn't know about that particular thing. And so I think that this is kind of also her just kind of. She's putting, putting it together. Pieces, putting those pieces together. Yeah. Nice. It is interesting that she's saying, does he sleep? You know, like Vavara. Right. And then it's like, apparently nobody does. Yeah. No, it's, so like, it does seem like people, that. Is that like a, I mean, nobody ever brought this up in any of these books, but is that like a thing where like super powered people in this universe don't have to really sleep? Yeah. I don't know. I think because that... she said it's been a long day and Johan was always telling her to get rest and she needed to rest and all that. But do they literally sleep? Well, she it's did sleep, kind of and thing. on end of day, she did sleep. She was asleep yeah, when, when all that happened yeah. with Kate, so. Or she passed yeah. out midair or yeah. something, too, yeah. yeah. We got another great Chapter 4 cover by Duncan Fagredo here. I love this, with the screens and everything. They really let Fagredo do a lot of cool stuff there. Well, is it, I mean, it looks like he's either coming out of a, one of his um, tubes that he was kept in, yeah, he's in, evolving, or or either time that he was evolving, or like he's coming out of a swamp or something. Yeah, I, I just want to say I love the way that Fergredo draws Abe right here. I mean, it's horrific, but also gorgeous. Yeah, I love know? all the fins and everything. Yeah, but it does seem like he came out of the water, came out of his tube, or something like that. And does he have a wallet in his back pocket? Oh wow! Like, yeah, he does. <laughs> he's got something back there. What is what is Abe keeping his wallet? Like maybe he's got like a badge or something. It's probably his iPhone. We open up with Connor, Jeroko's son. He's talking about his dreams, and we see his toys and stuff, including Hellboy and Abe toys. What did you think about that? Are there 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 are Hellboy and Abe toys in this universe? That makes sense. They've been you know, on TV and stuff like on that. Life magazine. Yeah. And and it's cool that it's um, original Abe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, well how would they These have... right old toys. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know if there's many toy factories that are still in operation right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, so okay, like, yeah, wow, yeah. He well. transformed into a monster, so let's release a new toy. Oh, wait, all the factories have been crushed and burned by giant monsters. So we have other things to worry about, probably, yeah, than making yeah, little plastic action funny. figures. <clears throat> Those Legos look cool, though. Yeah. We get to see Lawrence Campbell draw Legos. <laughs> yeah, I like all the little kind of kid stuff that we see here. Connor dreamt he was flying. People were happy, even Daddy, but he couldn't see me. I hope he is happy, Connor says. And he asks Jeroko if she dreams. It's different when you're older, hon, she responds. We know that she's having those dreams of Vivara. But he says, even Daddy... And so we know Jeroko, you know, she had a husband, and I think she even, like, talked to him once. Like, one time she was talking to him on the phone. Do you think, like, the dad's probably dead at this point? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't there, a, like, a point where uh, we saw um, Jeroko talking to her husband, and it seems like they were starting to have problems? I think so, yeah. So maybe he's not dead. Maybe they're just split. Right, okay. Okay. I, don't, I have I don't, to think he has a safer line of work than she does. Though, right, right, right. Like, why is the kid with her? Yeah, that is like, weird. On the, on the maybe ship? he maybe he just didn't want to take care of his kid anymore. There are shitty dads. Out yeah. There. We cut over to Weehawken, New Jersey. This is a real town. The name Weehawken is generally considered to have evolved from the Algonquin language. 
It has variously been interpreted as maze land, place of goals, rocks that look like trees, which would refer to the palisades atop which most of the town sits, or, quote, at the end, among other suggested translation. Here in New Jersey, we cut over to these soldiers, and there's some weird dialogue here. I don't know what... I thought this was kind of interesting where... Well, I just thought it was kind of weird where they're like, oh, a regular staff infection. Well, what if he'd pass something on to him while we are on leave or whatever? What is this moment? Is this supposed to be like making fun of them or... I just thought it was weird dialogue to just have in there for the soldiers to be talking about. They probably thought it might have been an STD. Yeah, that's what I... That, that, I mean, that's what I get from the dialogue, but I'm just... I just thought it was an interesting choice. Um, took- yeah, because it says we got Jack's test results, and then he he cock his gun. Yeah, I don't know enough about machine guns to know if you can do that, but there's a sound effect, right? Yeah, like he's like, we got Jack's test results, and he's like, do we need to kill Jack? Oh, okay. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Like maybe there's diseases going around because of the. Maybe, maybe that's what it's yeah. alluding to. Okay, okay, yeah. I just thought it was inter- I just thought it was weird. I was like, maybe it'll come back up later. Yeah, is that meant to be like, oh, and there's weird stuff happening? There's weird diseases yeah. now. We see Vivara, Cronin, and Von Klempt, along with all the people that have been following Vivara all this time, and they're cut off from proceeding by the soldiers. As Vivara's crew discusses what to do, Von Klempt wants to kill and march through the soldiers, but Vivara says they shouldn't be reckless. I could not bear to lose any of you, she says. Back at the BPRD headquarters, which is just a helicarrier at this point. I think Yosef called the ship something, but I don't remember what he called it. I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find it. But if you let me know, uh, send it in a Hey You Damn Guys. Liz is arguing with Devon over some mission in Colorado, and she wants to clear the room. Devon's like, clear the room? What? Staz, remove her. And Staz doesn't even bother. Yeah. To do what he I mean, and that goes back to the comment Liz says that nobody respects him. Right. Yeah. On the screen behind them, we see Ashley Strode. She says, I spoke to Dr. Manning this morning. She's like trying to assert herself to Devon. My immediate priority is widespread cult activity of all kinds. And is this supposed to be Manning behind her? He's like, we can get you to Colorado. Because uh, I noticed that it looks like special agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks, portrayed by Kyle MacLachlan, right? They kind of, Lawrence Campbell took some uh, Kyle MacLachlan there. Awesome. You know, this is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of coffee. I thought that was really cool. So is that supposed to be Manning? I don't think I, so. I didn't think it was Manning. It's just a, it just a Cooper works for the BPRD or something like that. You know what I mean? I thought that that was really interesting. That seems plausible. Oh, so there's this other moment that's really great. Liz tells Staz, who? And Staz says, Ashley Strode. Never heard of her, Liz says. So do you guys get that uh, joke? Yeah, because Ashley loves Liz. Yeah, and they even had a mission together at one point, and then the the way that Kate got Strode to go out was she said, oh, Liz put in a great recommendation for you. And then later she was like, oh, I made that up. Staz says, Corgan had her on exorcisms while we were fighting Cthulhu. Sort of lost track of her. So I think Kate was the only one talking to Ashley Strode, so then when Kate died, no one knew probably that she was out there doing all this stuff. Right. In this, in, this last panel, in this last panel, is Liz 
flipping off Devin. Yeah, and then she, he's flipping her off in the next one. Right, because she said uh, Devin says there's even a cult because Devin's like there's so many cults. Like, how are we supposed to keep track of all these cults? Now there's a demon cult that we need to be part of. He's like, there's even a cult devoted to a certain AWOL agent. So he's talking about Abe right there. And so yeah. Liz, Liz throws him the finger. And then he's like, uh, "There, that's the problem. There's so many of these. And he throws her the finger back. Jeez. Real professional, Yeah, right? real professional, man. <laughs> oh, and then, he calls, and then he calls Ashley another AWOL agent. Right. She's not, she's not AWOL. You know. Strode reports on an earthbound demon who is disguised as a child and building a cult around her. Kate sent her out to look for this. Liz thinks Strode is overplaying it, but Strode says if the Bureau can find the demon, she can kill it. Like, okay, if you're if you're working for someone and you throw them the finger, you know, okay. If you're supposed to be in charge of all these people, you're supposed to be like the leader, you're the director or whatever, you're the boss. And you're like throwing the finger back... At yeah, someone who just, like, road. that's immediately, like, wow. Yeah. I have no respect for you. There's no so way you can recover from that. You're just, you're so petty and little. And it just kind of looks like they're immediately, right? they got you to do that. Like, you, are you a baby? Are you a little toddler man? Like. So keep in mind, these guys are stuck on this ship, right? You can't just go home early. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah, I well, under, that's they're I think, all it's like being on a submarine. Yeah, like, but that's the all the more reason high. all the more reason he you know, someone in his position, if he's really gonna be in that position, he can't be doing shit like that. It makes him look like they're the same rank. It immediately puts him on her level. Which is like I don't know if you wanna be doing that if you're trying to command respect well, and 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 be in a leadership role. I don't know. That just struck me as very like, alright, I'm done with this guy. For real. Well, Danielle, I completely agree with you because, I mean, I, I do think that Liz and Devin have known each other for so long, and, and Liz is always pushing back on him. Yeah, absolutely. Him. I, re- but, I expect that. And, yeah. but, but, but Liz also did the same thing to Kate, but Kate was able to push back. I don't think Devin's ever, this is his way of thinking he's pushing back, but no, it's he's, not, he's not. Yeah, it's like, it, you know, yeah. Yeah, and so I totally agree with you. I, I completely agree because when you are elevated to a position of authority, you you have to take on a different level. If he had left With, it there, she would have been the one who's like, "Come on, Liz, what, are you, like two? what are you two years old?" But as soon as he did it back, it's like, "Nope, this this you're right. you're done, man." I think it's funny how doesn't Ashley Strode feel like she's at an all new level of alarm? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they're how could they be preoccupied with anything else? So like basically, here's how I look at where where she's coming from. They all know that there are monsters. They've all seen it. They're living with it. They fight them. They know. But she's seen even more than that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she's been talk about like behind the scenes. It's like it's almost like we've all seen the UFO picture, but she's been to their home planet. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah. like mm-hmm. so like you guys think this is for real, but she's here to tell you it definitely is for real. Yeah. Like there's no question. You know, and I think she's trying to like shout it at them while at the same time being like, I mean, she can see them, right? She's like, are you listening to me? Yeah, you know, I yeah. think that because she is immediately yeah. starts, you know, yelling back. Anyway, they're too I just, busy being petty. And she's like, hey, we should be focused on this, though, for real, though. Yeah, like like saying she's overselling it or whatever. Yeah, not really. Not really. Like, not I mean, really. this yeah. is. 
this is the these are high stakes and then some. Yeah, and Staz even says that they have some reports to back up what she's saying. And uh, Staz is like, oh, you know, the dreamers are drawn to this girl. They don't even know where they're going. And we can see Jiroko there. She looks like a nerd because she's having those dreams, right? She's part of that, too. So I like this kind of trope. It's kind of like when somebody's got a zombie bite, but they don't want to tell anyone. Or like someone's infected and they don't want to tell everyone else that they've got the thing or whatever it is. I've got an alien inside of me or whatever. I do want to mention the screens, too. Uh, They talk about this in the sketchbook. Katie O'Brien, the editor, says that they asked Chris Campbell, who designs maps and data visualizations for the Financial Times in London, to create these monster maps. And that's what we kind of see here on the board. We get a really good uh, picture of these. And so, you know, we see where the Ogdra hat is. We see where all the Ogdrahem and the hammerheads are. The blue with the lines on it is the black flame. There's like the vampires, and then there's even like an Ogdra Jihad with like a gear on it. Those are those robot Ogdra Jihads or whatever, like they mm-hmm. had in Germany, where it has the brains. That's those are zombies. Yeah, I was actually going to say this for the sketchbook, but like when I was like looking through the sketchbook, um, and I flipped to it, and I was like, "Ooh, it's that it's that map that was earlier." And then I flipped the next page, and they talked about it, like they got an actual guy that does infographics for the Financial Times. And I was just like, "Oh my god, that is amazing!" Yeah, that's so cool. Also, also the map points out Houston, so H Town represents. Yes, H Town represents <laughs> some hammerheads, right? There was a volcano there or something. Devon still questions whether this cult is important in the grand scheme of things. He said that he's read Kate's notes and he doesn't believe that she sent Strode out to uncover a worldwide threat, but Strode just cuts him off mid-sentence. Look, we both know you're only even talking to me because I got through to Manning. So, all due respect, this is intel you need to act on. Here's the deal, Director. As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. I have reliable information that Satan is dead... Hell is closed for business. This has created a level of urgency in the entities I deal with. A little girl who's charming people into following her is actually a demon with designs to create a new hell on earth. Manning's taking this seriously, so I'll see you in Colorado and we'll deal with this. Strode out. Yeah. Loved it. (laughs) It's so Uh, cool. Also, you know, like, uh, just to back up a second, you know, like, Devin's like, I've read Kate's notes about you, or note, should I say, yeah. believe me. He's all like, Kate didn't care, but you know, fuck you, Devin. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I do like this little nice from Agent Cooper or yeah. whatever, right? After she and, and and I like this too because like it's almost like nobody remembers her. So she can make herself a badass agent. Like she's scared. Like she right. like that panel shows that she's like that probably took a lot for her to do that. But to them, they think that she means business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of like this, too, because it immediately makes her a higher level agent to them, I think, that she comes in like this and she doesn't show her vulnerabilities or whatever. Devin points out the progress they're making. He's like, let's focus on an actual win. They blow up the Ogdraham and Parkinson. It's calcified on the inside, so that leads them to believe that all the other Ogdraham are dead, too. And they focus in and they see these eggs. Abe asks about them. Devon says they're no further threat and the army can take out the rest. And we see a hammerhead there with the eggs. Yeah. When I was sitting there looking at that, I was just like, okay, they wouldn't be showing us this without a reason. Okay. Because, I mean, there's, there's the eggs. 
one of the hammerhead is taking the eggs, but Devin is making the assumption that they're nothing. But maybe it's because I don't like Devin. I think that this is going to be something. Okay. Okay. But but also, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know who said it, but like, you know, if you show something in the beginning of a story, you have to bring it up later in the story or something like ah, that. Ah, okay, you know, cool. I feel like I feel like this is straightforward it, foreshadowing that these yeah. eggs are more than what Devin thinks. So yeah. fuck you, Devin. You're talking about the thing where if, if you see a gun in the first act, it's got to go off in the third act? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. They exchange a look, too, sort of. See how Devin oh. looks back at him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also on the previous page, Liz realizes now that they're going to Colorado. And she's like, what the hell? Oh, and yeah. Road said, I'll see you yeah. in Colorado. And everyone's like, Colorado? Yeah. Abe says he needs to go to South Carolina. He met a little girl there who spoke in tongues. This was an Abe Sapien the Garden 2. That was Maggie. She only spoke the Hyperborean language, and her mom translated for her. In that story, they again alluded to Abe being a key to the future. But in that story, they said that Abe wasn't the future for them, the humans. They said he was the key to what came before. Abe thinks she might be possibly the girl that Strode is looking for. And so Devon is like, well, Howard's can go with you. Which pisses off Liz. She's like, wait, what are you talking about? Liz asks about the Colorado mission, and she tells Devon that he's hiding something. Devon says, they're getting this from headquarters. They need to dig up something buried in Colorado. Devin doesn't remember. Archie. Staz thinks they might mean Archie Muraro. That's Hellboy's friend from his childhood. But Abe remembers Archie Stanton, Roger's grave. A joke from the Western, Abe says. And so the movies he's referencing is the 1966 film, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. In that movie, there's a grave marked Archie Stanton. Under it is buried $200,000 in gold. It's the unmarked grave next to that grave. Oh, okay. That's the one that has the gold. Thank you for that. Yeah, that was the twist. Well, spoiler, if you haven't seen the movie. (laughs) Spoilers for a 1966 movie, right? He tells them that name with his dying breath, and then he keeps it to himself the whole time. And then when he tells the other guy, he's like, why this grave? And he goes, it's actually the one next to it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh man i might actually have to see that movie now yeah <laughs> you never seen that movie i highly recommend that movie it's a work of art so liz wonders who's sending them after roger's body who'd send you digging up our friend with clues from a goddamn scavenger hunt back off sherman devon says and then she like lets him with the fire yeah this is really cool and it like changes the whole color palette in this scene right because yeah, it's, it's like awesome also. it's gray and then afterwards it's kind of like this is uh so cool and she's like staz pulls her gun out when liz does this it's like what the hell are you gonna do with that amazing it's incredible yeah, yeah. that expression right there is so cold i was it, like did she kill him right <laughs> turn the page that's eh, probably better that she didn't <laughs> she says it was phoenix and abe is shocked to hear this you're in touch with phoenix he asks in touch they made her a goddamn agent abe and they didn't tell anyone it was her that tried to kill you you knew right she tells devon that's why you were gonna let abe go to south carolina before we got to the rockies but that uh that panel where she says in touch they made her a goddamn agent like that is so cool like with the fire and her expression and everything. So Abe just says, I'm going. South Carolina was my idea, and I don't want to deal with this. Devon exchanges a look with Staz, and she goes after Abe. 
he asks her if she knew about Phoenix, and she says no. So I guess that's kind of like making the peace or whatever. But back with Devon, he's like, Kate knew. Not right yeah. away. She wasn't there in Texas. I was. Phoenix said before we got back to the BPRD, she said she knew Abe had to die. She didn't know more than that. She told Kate as soon as I got her to headquarters, it was Kate's decision not to tell you, Liz. And as he's talking, we see the flashbacks there. He pulls them up on the screen, but it's also a nice, you know, kind of clip show of the history with Phoenix. And then we also see Abe and Staz have met up with Howards for their mission to South Carolina. What good would it have done? Devon says. Would you have killed Phoenix? Made us throw her out? I would have known, Liz responds. I feel like that the way that Devon is coming about this, like saying, you know, um, Kate knew, Kate it was Kate's decision not to tell you um, all that kind of bullshit. It's just his way of trying to deal with his own guilt that he just let her shoot Abe. Right. You know? He's all like, well, you know, cause he never mentions the fact that, you know, cause he says I was there, but he never mentions the fact that I was there and I watched him shoot her and just get away. Right. Well, yeah. And he's you also know? trying to take, he's also trying to be, be like, Oh, well, yeah. Well, what would you have done? Were you going to kill Phoenix? Were you going to uh, make us throw her out? And he's like trying to attack her on things that like never happened. Right, right. At yeah. all. Yeah. And it's one of those cl- it's one of those tactics that people will use mm-hmm. when they know that they've been caught, called out doing something wrong. And like, yeah, well, what about you? What if you had done this totally made up scenario? <laughs> that would have been bad too. Right. You all, you could have, techn- you could have been done bad stuff too. Yeah, like hypothetically, which is like, okay, we're not talking about imaginary scenarios that didn't happen. We're talking about the thing that you did or failed to do, and it's this classic tactic that people like this will take when they're trying to deflect right. attention away from the bad shit that they did and be like, well, what about you? Shouldn't you feel bad about imaginary scenarios? Hmm. Like, no, actually, exactly. you shouldn't have what lied to me, probably. Isn't... You shouldn't have been doing underhanded shit. Right. We cut over to Phoenix and Bruiser. Phoenix drives through Utah. Wherever she's driving, she feels drawn and warned off. She never planned to go back there, she says. Ponya saw things way more clearly than me, and she got herself killed. I'm pretty sure it's her fault Kate's gone. I hope I'm not screwing everything up. And it, I like this because it looks like she's talking to Bruiser. But she's really talking to Eris, right? We see Eris, her sister, the spirit, is kind of like floating alongside the car. And Eris tells her, it's not about hope, sister. Trust yourself. You've earned it. I like the Bruiser's still around, though. Yeah, I like that moment. And it seems like Bruiser looks over at Eris when she's talking. So it's like, again, can Bruiser see the, the ghost, you know? Over at the George Washington Bridge in New York... Vivara's camp has encountered another set of soldiers. The group wonders what to do, but Vivara simply says, Silence, please. She whispers that she wants the guards to be able to see Von Klempt. And then something weird happens, right? In like an instant, they've all been totally massacred. They're just dead. What well, do you- I think they were dead before they got there. And this is whatever that virus was that they were talking about earlier. Oh, like, okay. oh, it's just a staph mm. infection. Everything's fine. Because I believe she says not a shot fired. Right. Yeah. So, like Cronin touches a gun. And yeah. Weapons have not been fired. Yeah. Because I was yeah. wondering, uh, I was wondering what happened there. So they were already Maybe. dead. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they're totally mutilated. This is good, Vivara says, for we have other matters with which to concern ourselves, and adversaries who may possess greater resources. And even Cronin and Von Klemp, like exchange a look like, what the shit is happening here? They've followed a lot of weirdos in their time, right? Yeah, that's big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this Chapter 5 cover by Duncan Figueredo is outstanding, right? The rest oh, in peace, and then we've got all of our fallen heroes here. We see Duncan's version of Kate, Roger, Johan, Hellboy, Professor Broom, and Daimio. Man, I saw this cover, and I just got, you know, sad because of all the people that we've lost. Yeah. But also, you notice how Johan's um, bubble suit doesn't kind of have any of the, gla- the gas in it. Oh, right, yeah. And we open on a flashback, a date between Kate and Bruno to the cemetery. Kate explains that when she was little, she loved romantic stories, but not love stories. Larger than life stories. Legends. This is where we put our personal legends when they end. To remember them, Bruno, she says, this place isn't full of tragedies. We aren't in Potter's Field. These people probably died at home surrounded by family. This is here for their loved ones to come remember them. So it is romantic, Bruno says. Yeah, Kate responds. And then we cut over to Bruno just being there by himself. That's a great transition over. You know, he's still mourning Kate. Or I wonder if he's going there and remembering their date, you know, or now he goes to cemeteries and he, you know, thinks about her. Heavy. Classic Hellboy Universe graveyard scene, too. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I like how, she, you know, she brings up Potter's Field and, it's, you know, it's, it's like Potter's Field or Popper's Grave or Common Grave is the place for the burial of unknown, unclaimed, or indigent people. And so I like how she brings up, you know, like uh, Potter, uh, Potter's Field is something sad, but this is a place where loved ones go oh, yeah. to remember their 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 family. Because she, she brings up the fact that, you know, that these people didn't die uh, alone. Yeah, I like I, that. I really only know that because of an anthrax song. Okay. (laughs) Over at the BPRD headquarters ship over Kansas City this time, Liz talks to Professor O'Donnell. She asks him if she thinks they're going after Roger. Phoenix didn't say it was Roger, Liz says. That was Abe. He has this idea about a vessel. I'm not sure the significance. I don't think he knows. But Abe does know, right? This is a flashback to... Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible Deep. This is where Abe went with Shanshin into this hyperborean flashback, and he found out that he was Shanshin's friend, reincarnated, and all that kind of stuff. And Lawrence Campbell even does like this painted version of the hyperborea in the background, just the same way the Fumars did in that story. Did you ever talk to Johan about Roger in the, you know, afterlife? She asked O'Donnell. And he's like, no, no, that is very interesting. I never got to interview him, but I read his brief and he knocks over like all the coffee and all the papers are going everywhere. Johan said Roger was happy, Liz says, that he looked back on his life proudly and felt resolved. If Roger's at peace, we can't. And then O'Donnell interrupts her. Elizabeth, the thing you should perhaps fear the most is the afterlife. I hate to think where Roger, a creature like that, like him, if he even has a soul, will spend eternity. And she's like, look who I'm talking to. Right? Um, But as O'Donnell's talking, we get those flies. So we know that that's part of his origin, right? Is like, you know, I guess maybe he worries that when he dies, he's going to be drugged down with these flies or something like that. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. It's like, I feel like he is scared of being in the afterlife. But Roger... I mean, mean, we saw Roger's a piece. Yeah, we saw that. Over in New York City, 
we get this one page. Let's talk about storytelling in one page. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's not anything, but um, this is just, uh, it really tells a lot that this old lady just sees Vivara and she's like, it's her. And like the expression on her face and everything. I just really like this page. I think it's just great storytelling. It just says a lot with so little. Eight panel page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We get this next scene with Liz. This time they're heading to Colorado. And Liz is talking. She's got all the team back there. And she's like, at least she didn't suffer, Liz. And they're like, what? Happened real quick. That's how Tion told me about Kate, she tells them. So you got to appreciate the irony. And we get a flashback of when he died. And she was just kind of standing there not reacting. Jiroko says, you weren't too broken up about Tion. It's hard to not feel immortal when everybody around you is minutes away from buying it, Liz says. I fought by Tion's side for years, knowing he was just another guy who had too few options. Now you put out fires laying down your lives for some twisted scraps of civilization when you should just hide in those gated communities where they torch houses at the first sign of mold, afraid to talk to people down the way because they might worship spiders or something. Me, Abe, Roger, we never could have done anything but this. You could have been anything, Carla, she tells Jiroko. What would Kate be doing now if she hadn't followed Hellboy into a goddamn death sentence? So I'm just another person you're going to watch die, Jiroko says. And then Liz just looks at her. <laughs> and that's kind of like that you mentioned earlier where she said, they yeah. couldn't have even defeated the Ogdraham yeah. without me. I feel like this scene goes along with that. Yeah. You know? That's why I wanted to bring that back but up. But she has a point. It's hard to not feel like that when she's basically... She's like a god. Right. It's, you know what I mean? So I, I see her point. It's interesting the way she spelled that out. I like, you know, I kind of like hearing from her about this. I like that she's speaking directly to us about this. Right. And they're like, oh, well, that's why you're with Howard's. And she says, no, it's why I'm glad Abe's back and why Devon sent them both to the goddamn Ozarks. You know, I sort of saw all this, Carla. I dreamt of the end of the world and it looked pretty much like this. And that's that flashback from, uh, was it King of Fear? Was that the same flashback that we had there? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I think so, yeah. And that's where she had seen Jiroko's armor and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the first time we saw kind of like a, a version of the mutated Abe because Abe looks a little different. Oh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, and Devin had bulked up. We had saw and all we, that stuff. And we saw Hellboy like... Hellboy was there. We saw the uh, armor that said Jiroko on it, too. Yeah, and we saw um, the helicarrier. You know, in that vision, Kate and Ponyo were there, but they were in these suits. So I wonder, like, in that timeline, they maybe survived the blast, but they still got injured. And they were in some sort of mech suits, or I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. Yeah, it was more like military uniform. Or like oh, armor okay. Or yeah, like yeah. Jiroko is about to tell Liz about the dream, but then she just says something else. And Liz is like, that's not what you were going to say. So me, Nichols, Tian, our lives are meaningless because Jiroko asks, no, Carla, Liz responds, God, no, I'm afraid your deaths will be. That's amazing. That's a great, that's a great character moment right there. I really like and that. So I love the way, like the only color on the inside of that ship is Liz's hair, right? Oh Yeah. Like, she, she's different than everybody else. I think that's what it... I mean, her hair is that color, but I think it stands out in order to symbolize that. Right. Yeah, that's a great detail. And I love this. When Liz gets out, she sees Phoenix, and she just looks at her. You know, she's been thinking about her and all this kind of stuff, you know, and I, I think that kind of comes across in those two panels there. 
Over in Jasper County, South Carolina, Abe and Howards have gone over to meet with Maggie and her mom. Abe asks Maggie where the thing she knows comes from. Hyperborem, she responds. He asks if there's something inside of her. Does she know anything about the devil being dead? And then Maggie just gives her this look. I love that panel right there. And he's like, well... You talked about people going underground. Did you mean hell? And then Maggie like yells something at the mother who says, now you're just trying to scare him. I wonder what that was. You know what? They don't translate that part right there. Abe tries to reassure that Maggie still thinks she'll save mankind. Her mom says she never said that. Just us. Our only future is underground. Okay, let me bring up Eugene Remy again from the Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra. So Larzad made himself known to Remy, and then the Brotherhood was formed around that. Yeah. Right? Then Eugene Remy died, but he was reincarnated as a 13-year-old girl. So there's this obvious theme here. Bavara's a little girl leading people. Maggie is a little girl who could lead people. Eugene Remy reincarnated as what? a 13-year-old girl. Was right? that Tefnut Trionis? Yeah, and she said the only future for man is underground. Right. I was going to ask Aubrey if he remembered that from the Frankenstein Underground. Yeah, and so now Maggie's saying it. Yeah. Ooh. Isn't I, that just weird that it's like always a little girl who's... Yeah, we have gonna, talked about that. Like taking on like a savior role almost. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. John, the answer to your question is no, I did not remember. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love this scene. They take Maggie outside to meet Howard's. And she speaks to him in that hyperborean language, and then he responds in it. And Abe's like, well, sure. I love that expression yeah. right there. He's like, of course, th this would happen. Well, I, I actually <laughs> thought that was a really cool moment because, uh, you know, like, she says something and he just responds. And it's like, have we actually seen uh, Howard's use the language? Or have we only seen Galdinar use the language? I'm yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we've seen Howard's do it. I think she said, where'd you get that sword? And he goes, you don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over in New York City, we get Vavara's crew again. This lady's wearing a Zinko shirt. They hear like a buzzing sound as they're approaching. So wait, that was the Black Plains personal assistant, right? What was her name? Oh, is that her? Yeah. Um, God, I don't remember what her name was now. Is that supposed to be her? Why else would she be wearing a Zinko? Yeah, you're right. Wow, that's cool. As they're walking in, Favara says, Does Berlin have parks so wonderful as this? St. Petersburg has Serena Meadow. Now they call it the Field of Mars because of a statue for Generalissimo Suvorov depicted as God of War. So this is a large square park in the center of St. Petersburg. Over its long history, it has been alternately a meadow, a park, a pleasure garden, military parade ground, revolutionary pantheon, and a public meeting space. And the well, I'm sure they've used that before, right? Weren't you and I texting at some point over the last couple of years about that? The Field of Mars? Yeah. The I, statue there? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think we did. Maybe, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably come up in another story. This bronze sculpture, the Suvarov Monument, commissioned in 1799 by Emperor Paul I to commemorate Suvarov's Italian expedition that year. The execution was entrusted to sculptor Kalofsky, his design depicted Suvarov in the allegorical guise of the god Mars. The sculpture was cast in bronze, but neither Paul nor 
Savarov lived to see its unveiling, which took place in May 1801. And then so when she says, does your Berlin have parks so wonderful as this? And Cronin's like, actually, he might be referring to the Tiergarten. It's Berlin's most popular inner city park located completely in the district of the same name. It is the largest urban gardens in Germany. So this is crazy, right? When Vivara gets to this place, there's all these people waiting there for her and they're all like, oh, it's her. She's come to save us. We came from so far away to see us. And we, we see this one lady there. She's with her son, I guess, and he's all out of sorts. I love how Lawrence Campbell draws this guy so crazy. The little lady's like, she's going to save you. They even are all impressed with Cronin and Von Klemp. They were like, you were with the Black Flame. <laughs> Cronin looks so out of sorts with all these people, like, trying to say hi to him or whatever. It's kind of humorous. Yeah, I mean, they've been in the shadows for so long. And uh, Vavara addresses the group. And I love this because she's like, oh, not too long ago, you know, we lent our hands to your crusades and King pledged to me their souls. Then one day in faces of men and women before me, I saw something else. But we know from the flashback, like what she liked was the delights of war and seeing people killed and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cutting back and forth to that, but she's making it seem like something else. I just think it's an interesting way to go back and forth between those two things she says as god took flesh as christ i chose to walk earth as one of you and like him i was betrayed for years i was locked in vessel made of glass until world had fallen to ruin this old lady is like will you save my son and she's like haha salvation yes my friends i was freed by another would be leader of man to save men i rejected his soul and now gone but in you i see greatness with you i bring back the kingdom and the guy, he starts freaking out a little bit. He's like, oh, I see what she is. My brother, do not fear. And she like pulls a demon out of him. So a lot happens here. She pulls the demon out of the guy. Then she kills the old woman and her like spirit comes out as this little butterfly. And then she takes the butterfly and she gives it to the demon. So it's like she's paying that demon right? I don't know. I guess, it's like, yeah. this is what you like. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what demons like is souls. So I'm going to give that to you. Okay. And then she chops off the dude's head that she pulled the demon out of. And she asked for Von Klemp's head and she puts it on there. And then like, now he has a body. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. He seems like very grateful. Doesn't he? Right. Yeah, yeah right. he yeah. does. And the old woman that was killed, now she's getting up like a zombie. Vavara has creepy goat eyes. Yeah. Oh, she does have the goat eyes. You're right. That's pretty cool. With the lines. Yeah, I, like that. I love that. I love a goat's eye. Yeah. And when all this happens, like the color palette changes dramatically. Like the color work is really amazing because it's like yellowish. Then when she pulls the demon out, you get like the orange and then it turns it red. So red. Yeah. Yeah. Our once glorious kingdom fell, my children, but with you I shall restore it, and we shall be restored ourselves. We have all walked a long road for this glorious day. Now rejoice. And she does something to pull all their souls out too. But it doesn't look like it's going into her, right? It's going like up in the air. Yeah, I think it's better if they don't have any genuine or natural life force, right? So she's like getting rid of that, yeah, purging that, and so now they're even more susceptible like she brought him there through dreams right they thought they were having visions and now zombie army right yes yeah. zombie yeah. army that's not easy to say 
Do you mean return to hell, Von Klemp says. The Citadel of the Fly is gone, Vavar responds. We shall remake the Order of the Fly and march under a new banner here. Vavara's plan is really escalating quickly. You know, now she's got Cronin and she's got Von Klemp with a new body. She's got demons. We cut over to Colorado. They're looking through the rubble of the destruction of the headquarters for that grave. Like a lot of them are digging holes. <laughs> yeah. I like these two guys. They're like, hey, hey, we got it. It's a coffin. Liz comes over. She just rips the lid off and we get this reveal. So. Oh. The yeah, shit. that's quite reveal. a reveal. That's quite a reveal. I, I, I thought, okay, they found, you know, Roger's corpse, whatever. Turned the page, and I was fucking blown away. I was, holy shit, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so, I mean, we we just talked about that flashback from King of Fear where Liz yeah. had that vision. Remember in that vision, Hellboy was there. I was kind of like, what? Yeah, so w- what is happening here? Because r- it's supposed to be Roger in there. Yeah, it's some sort of fake-out thing. It's like a weird fake-out Well, they thing. kept talking about a vessel. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, exactly. That That's the key, is that they were talking about Roger being a vessel. Yeah. So, Roger, he could... He was a vessel for Liz at one point, so... I guess he can be a vessel for other things. Yeah. I mean, he's literally he's a, a guy with... a little bit more than just a vessel. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So did you really think they were going to find Roger's remains in there? And, like, why? Because when this was happening, of course, I was always like, bring Roger back. What the fuck? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, for but there's some, years. There's some. there's something weird going on here. So I'm very skeptical of this. Okay. Right now. Interesting. So, but when when this happened, I was like, "Oh, that's why they killed Rob. right." Yeah. It finally brought some meaning to oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that was it was the long game." And, right. And I don't even know if Phoenix knew. Right. She knew that they had to go up there for this grave, but I didn't even know if she knew that Hellboy was going to be in there. Right. Yeah, because that's her saying Hellboy. Yeah. Right? And he's breathing. He's got one. He's got his eye open. Right. Yeah, like I don't understand what this is right now. Yeah. I think it's Hellboy. Hellboy's back. Yeah, he's, he's back. back. He's back. Because well, I mean, how else would he have returned? I don't know. I kind of thought, like for a second, I was like, oh, can I even trust this? Right. Well, some weird shit going can on. Can you? Yeah. So. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'll be honest. Part of me has been kind of expecting or forgetting that I was expecting this because when Liz had her vision all the way back in King of Fear, Hellboy was there. You know, and then this is before Hellboy in Hell and all that kind of stuff and all that. So I thought maybe they would just change it because I well, guess Kate and Ponya were also there as well. And I also kept but, waiting for Hecate to show up. At some point, cause right? There was that whole like, thing yeah. about her constantly being like, "Now remember, yeah, I'm gonna right. remind yeah. you again <laughs> about this thing constantly," and then it never happened. The I was like, day. "Cool, I guess that was for no reason." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah well, another thing that I want to point out, and uh, we talked about this a little bit when we covered those stories, but um, there was a scene in God, I don't remember now. I, I should have looked for it. It was either in the Wild Hunt or the Storm and the Fury, where there's a part where they tell Hellboy, now your friends have to finish what's left. And they show in the sky, we see Abe, Liz, and Roger. And we were like, what does this mean? At the time, we were like, what does this mean? Oh, at that time, I thought it was just because he didn't know Roger was dead. And so right, he was just thinking about Roger. Yeah, yeah. But it was... Yeah, she said his friends, but still, we know. 
right? Yeah. Like, when I think of my friends, I don't picture them as clouds in the sky or sure. whatever, right? Like, that, I feel like that was for the reader's benefit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that was a great reveal. I was, was totally blown away by that, too. I, I did not see that coming. I read yeah, this the issue. Pace, like, the way my heart was beating in those last few pages, like, uh, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Right? Why? Yeah. I mean, going back to that grave, that's the last thing I would have expected them to do. Yeah. I really mean, cool. It, it, it's been so long since since Roger has passed. I mean, I, I never thought they would even bring him up again, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. And so to get to this, and then when they open the grave, it's Hellboy. It was just like, holy shit. I'm so excited to get to the rest of this. I want to talk about this more, but that we'll leave that for the next episode to pick up. I mean, obviously, they left this on the cliffhanger uh, for a reason. You know, they ended these five issues like that, and they left us, you know, also wondering how this could be. So, um, yeah, you know, that's kind of the point of it, and, and I like that. The next issue did come out. I'm remembering now. It came out several months after this. Yes. And it was painful. And when I went to the, because I didn't have a comic shop in my town, I had to drive to Boulder, which is a great comic shop. There's no problem with that. But when I got there, they didn't have the comic. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what do you do? What do you do in here? There's no Hellboy this week. And I was like, yeah, there is. I've been waiting for months. It's today. And he goes, oh, they didn't bring it. I was like, fuck do you mean they didn't bring it? (laughs) And I remember the next time I saw him, he was like, man, you got pretty upset at that. And I was like, I went home and downloaded it right away from the Dark Horse app. And anyway, yeah, it was, you know how it is. Like you get there, like remember Jason Lee and Mallrats when he's lying outside the comic shop and he's like, I just want my fucking comic. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly how I felt. Now what the hell is this shit? Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? And here's, it's Mark Tweedell. Hey, Mark yes, Tweedell! Yes. Hey, Mark! Have you been listening the whole time, Mark? Yes, indeed. Awesome. <laughs> this is truly epic. We've been, talking, yeah. we've been talking about Mark this whole episode. Yes, we really have. You come up a couple times. <laughs> I love yeah. having both of you on here at the same time. This is great. It's really fun. Excellent. It's really difficult for me to stay silent the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, I am currently uh, writing a review for the new Adam Hughes book that comes out this Wednesday. Oh, wow. And Ooh. yeah, I, I just, I, I couldn't wait to hear the next podcast because I really wanted to hear your thoughts Aww. about that final page. Okay. So like what I was telling them just a moment ago is just like, I didn't see this coming, you know. I was thinking that they were going to be digging up Roger, and when Liz finds the thing, she rips the coffin open. I turn the page, and there's fucking Hellboy. I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" I even texted John. I was just like, "John, I just finished reading this. I cannot wait to Aww. talk about this. This was it blew my mind." For me, I immediately was like, "I do not trust this. What's happened? You know, what what is this? It's it's a trick or something. You know, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop on that kind of a deal, so I don't quite trust it yet. Maybe it's cool and awesome and good, and maybe it's I don't know, is it sinister? Yeah. What's happening behind this? I don't know. So I'm yeah. I'm still waiting to see what happens. But yeah, it's a big reveal. Obviously, it's like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Yeah. Find out next time on same bad time, oh, same yeah. bad channel, kind of a thing. So. Uh, Matt, uh, that, tell, and, tell the story that you just told about the next issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, do you remember, Mark, that... See, now, you got these in advance. 
right to do reviews? Uh, no, um, it, like this was a rare case where um, they didn't want anyone to know what happened. Oh, um, wow. in that in issue five, so they didn't send out previews to anyone at all. And um, so when I had to write my review for it, uh, it was a case of um, I was in New Zealand at the time visiting my sister, and um, I think it it was like. Oh, it would have been like four o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday that the issue actually comes out at midnight in America. And, um, so it's like I immediately bought the digital version, um, and then wrote it that evening for it to go up the next day. Wow. Because I was saying that the issue after this came out like several months later. Like, I yeah, think this was um, January and the next one came out in like May or something. Yeah. That was another, um, another deliberate thing they did because, you know, it's like when you have, a reveal like that that's really big, they didn't want the solicitation for the next issue to give away the spoiler, so they deliberately padded everything out. Oh, so I, oh right. Wow. I see so, what you mean. So I was telling the yeah. gang that I went to buy... So that's issue five. I When I went to buy six, all those months later, it wasn't there. It, it hadn't been delivered. Like, they got all their comics oh. for that week, except for that one. And I kind of flipped out. <laughs> I was like really oh, upset. Man. I was like, what do you mean it's not here? I was like, wait, let me look. And I even like went back <laughs> to the, in the back of the store to the new releases to try and find it. And I was like, how, how is that the one book that's not here? And like he even, because oh. the owner of the shop is a friend of mine, Wayne at Time Warp Comics. He brought it up to me a few weeks later when I saw him again. He was like, wow, you were really upset by that. <laughs> and I was like, I was yeah. like, you don't know what these comics do to you, man. Killing. No, it's like after issue five, not getting issue six would have right. just been so painful. Oh yeah. my god! All right, so for the last story here that we're going to discuss, we're going to be talking about the endless mystery: a brief history of Agent Howard's. This was published in the back of BPRD Devil You Know issue three in September 2017. Story art, colors, letters by the awesome Longmon Kid. Matt Strackbine. Awesome. Yeah, so you talked about this a little bit earlier when we talked about the cover with Howard's, and then it's the same issue that has your Howard's story in it. And you mentioned that they let you pick, you know, and obviously you're going to pick Howard's. I mean, what? of course, you know, what what other choice is there? It was between, what's his first name? Arnold? Arnold Wald? Yeah. And Howard's, and I think Harry Middleton. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. And, okay. And I could have done any of those. Sure. But, but I was like, yeah, obviously I want to do Howard. Weird and then I was like, just getting into like outlining the story. And they sent me this cover image by Fregredo. And I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> just totally <laughs> intimidated me right into the ground. Like, I can't follow yeah. that. So I decided... Like, I looked at that for a long time because I was like, man, that's amazing. I do not want to look at this, right? So that's when I decided that, you know, my my two-pagers are pretty goofy anyway, but I decided to make this as goofy as I could. Yeah, I really like this little opening scene here where this guy is like, oh, you're reading a comic book, huh? I just saw a movie about... So I thought that was your dig on how there's all these comic book movies. And so like that, and you're like studying, yeah. actually. <laughs> right. Like, oh, you want to talk to a guy reading a comic about comics? Okay. <laughs> you're, you're in for it now. 
There's a lot to figure out in these damn Hellboy books, Matt says. Take this BPRD character, Agent Howards, for example. He grabbed an ancient sword and was somehow transported back to a prehistoric time. The guy seemed to merge with the warrior chief, Galdinar. And I love this panel. I think this is such a cool idea to have it like half yeah, it's great. Howards and half Galdinar yeah. and even the blood on one side and not the other. That was really nice. I don't think anybody ever did that, right? No, I don't think so. It's a really cool idea. It's one of those things. We've seen that split motif used so many times, so it just feels like, you know, instead of just copying, you're like, you know, paying homage to that. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) I love this scene on the bus where Matt is pointing to the Abyss of Time issue. It's unclear whether the two men actually (laughs) share a consciousness, but it's implied these characters don't explain much. Sorry, you... Talk, talking to me? Yeah, the lady. There's this, this lady on the bus here. That is, that guy with the glasses right there next to that lady is Wayne, who owns Time Warp Comics. Nice. I was just about to and, ask you, are these, are oh. any of these people, are these people? Yeah, and that's his girlfriend, Holly. That's great. And then uh, in the first panel, this was the sneakiest thing I've ever done. All those people in line with me were from a comic I was self-publishing at the time. Aw, cute. <laughs> and I put them all in there. And, you know, I don't name them or anything, but Do me and the guy it? making that comic were both... Uh, it's called The Burning Metronome. Okay. The 100-page hardback that we nice. did a Kickstarter wow. for back in the 2015, wow. 16. But, yeah, so I was working on that when I did this. and That's I was like, great. I was like, who do I draw in a bus uh, line for the bus? Oh. I know. So the same characters, characters I've been working on 24 hours a day. I was actually going to ask you, like, who are these people? Are yeah. these all, are these all like people that's, that you know or other characters or whatever? So that's great. Well, that's awesome. And I was taking the bus at the time um, because I was working from home and I didn't like driving anymore sure. or like commuting. So I would take the bus every now and then. So I really did see, um, you know, these are kind of random people. Sure. From the right. Bus. So, does that mean that this is the first appearance of those characters, like, published, actually, or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, wow. uh, Officially, unofficially. <laughs> the, the first oh, wow. appearance. Right, yeah. Don't tell this Dark Horse. This is the first time I ever <laughs> talked about it, but I don't really care anymore. So. <laughs> and I love Matt over here by the water cooler. Things got more um, visually interesting when Howard's, I mean, Gaul... Learned the sword actually had magical origins. Wait, so which department is this guy in? Hyperborea. Oh, <laughs> that man. is the best. I love that. That's the best joke in this. Oh, thing. yeah. That's a good little joke. I, I quite enjoyed that. And I love this depiction of Galdinar just going ape shit with the sword <laughs> and chopping off this dude's head and everything. Really good. I mean, um, you know, I forgot to mention Jerry Turnbull has these pages, and oh, I feel like nice. that awesome. is the best. Oh, that's great. That is the best home for these pages yeah. of the Jerry Turnbull because he loves Howard's, and this is such a great comic. Oh yeah, great. yeah. Did you see the well, recent commission he just got? I did. Yeah, I did. I was actually asking him about uh, that. Who's the artist on that, Mark? Do you remember? Oh, um, Simone, I, I, I forgot, I, I, I don't know how to say the name. Simone I'm something. I'm going to butcher the name as well. Yeah. But I'm ripping off. Who am I ripping off there, Mark? Is that Tyler Crook? Yeah, yeah that's Tyler Crook. Uh, <laughs> Simone, De, Simone Amini. Ah. I, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that. Not yeah. like I'm probably butchering it. Yeah, but he got a great uh, Howard's commission from 
uh, from Simone. Yeah, that's you know, it's like we were saying earlier in the regular issue is every artist that works on these books gets a chance to draw some of the epic stuff that's already come to yes. pass, right? So, you know, I never want to just do anything that's purely original. I always want to borrow from the Tying comics. Yeah, to that's the, yeah. cool. We cut over to Matt at the restaurant. The waitress says, can I get you anything? How about some answers, Matt says. When Agent Howard's finally awoke in the present again, he may have been as confused as the rest of us. But he went mute. If Howard's remembered his time as Galdinar, he kept it to himself. Like how the doctor sounds like a Conan the Barbarian ripoff. Yeah. That's good. And he's like, Matt says, more like an homage. Nice reference, Doc. I thought this was so funny, Matt, because you have this line in your story. And then in the actual issue, Liz says that Howard's is like Conan now. She goes, he's basically Conan now. And here this guy says, did you know that? Did you know that that line was going to be in there? Or what did you think about that? No. So I had not read this before I worked on it, right? I think I did the math. And I was like, they had this in the bag way before me. Yeah. So it's just a coincidence. That's great, though. Or an obvious thing to say about Howard. I really enjoyed that, though. I just really enjoyed that the doctor, like, everyone else is like, oh, sir, you're being weird. But the doctor's like, well, it sounds like a Conan the Barbarian. He just jumps in. <laughs> and he's he's just totally playing along, which I very yeah. much enjoyed. I like and that. it's funny that Matt is at the doctor. Like, yeah, he's like the dentist and the doctor and all this stuff. Like he's, we're going through his yeah. work day, yes. right? Well, it's always like very after interesting. After work, he had to go to the doctor. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't not know. just a talking head. It's not just like a guy in front of a like a solid color right panel. I right. really much enjoy that. You're keeping it super interesting. You're like at work. You're on the bus. Yeah. You're in a restaurant. You're at the doctor. You're at a bar. You know, it's it's interesting. And it keeps it, yeah. it keeps it dynamic, and I really, I, I like that a lot. It's like every other panel is what Matt's talking about from the comic, and then when you look up again, he's in a different place. Yeah, in the same day. It's, it's like very you know funny. the movie Birdman, how they zoom in on something oh, yeah. just enough time mm-hmm. for it to be an edit, but it's supposed to look like a continuous shot. That's sort of what I was going for. Ah, okay. And I do have to mention, Matt is reading BPRD Wasteland up here in this top panel. I always like how you incorporate the covers in there. And who's this guy that you're having lunch with? He seems kind of annoyed, maybe, that Matt's got his comic out. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's probably just an amalgamation of everyone I've ever gone to lunch with from work. Because I always have to swing by the comic shop, you know, and they're like, so nobody's specific. Matt says, there's something addictive in the way the clues lead to more mystery. Some readers might let it go, but not me. I just can't wait to see if they ever tell us what's really going on or not, if they even know. And we get a nice Mm. depiction of Howard's eating there with all his groupies, the altered BPRD jacket, and then, yeah, another panel of him just just losing it, just chopping up this guy with the goggles and everything. And then we see Matt in the bar. Don't get me wrong, I love bloody violence, but explain to me how a warrior spirit lives in a guy's sword. And we get a your your cut off. Yeah, joke, that's the last is, one, yeah. pal. <laughs> and there we see the trade paperback for Reign of the Black Flame. That's the one that Matt's reading there. And I love I got to ask you about this timeline here yeah. on this next panel. My goal is to figure out if there's anything to figure out at all. And you're pointing at this timeline. Is this is something that you had to actually sit down you had and to actually write this. and make. Was this something that was just for the comic or you were already 
doing something like this. Oh, it was just for the comic. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all do this stuff in our head, right? Like, every yeah. time you read yeah. a comic, you got to go back and read all the other comics to try and fill in the blanks. But, yeah, I did. And actually, I did make a version of this on the computer before I drew it. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I haven't gone that far. What about you, Mark? Do you have notes that look like this? Uh, not really. It's all in my head. I, yeah. I understand the impulse, though, because, um, I mean, I, only recently there was, like, someone on um, Reddit that was, like, they'd stumbled across the sword and were like, oh, I know I've seen it in other places. What's the history of this sword? Oh, and man. I kind of <laughs> accidentally wrote a reply that was a mini hell note. Yeah. Oh, oh I have to go look for oh, that, that now. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. It was one of those things where, like, I kind of reached the end of the comment and was like, damn, I just, like, I just pulled that out of my head. Like, how the hell did I keep all that in my head? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to have to go look for that. And then this last panel, I love this panel. So I was actually telling Matt, you know, back before I even started the podcast, like, Jerry Turnbull and I would send this panel to each other. On Facebook Messenger, where the wife is saying, honey, I love you, but I hope you don't talk like this with other people. And Matt's like with the question mark over his head. He's all proud of his... I feel like he's so proud of himself. Yeah. And then he's like, wait a minute. But but I think that that's that's what this fandom, you know, if you want to call it that, that perfectly encapsulates it there because... That's how you feel. You get drawn in with all these details and you're trying to figure out what things mean and they don't outright tell you. And so you've got to kind of like investigate and this is kind of what it does to you. And I think that that's one thing that I love about the podcast and about the whole community and everything is that you can talk to people like this. You know, I hope you don't talk to other people like this. Well, I hope that we can talk to other people like this. That's the whole point of the show. So, you know, anyway, I just really love this comic. And uh, it's one of my favorites. And I'm so glad that we could have you back on the show to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, every time I hear you read one of my comics, like you read the other (laughs) comics, it blows me away. It's so fun. (laughs) It's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought this was, you know, like goofy. I felt like I was being as goofy as possible without, you know, being like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. No, or I love it. But yeah. Like I made the sh- the sword too short on purpose. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's a goofy fun. <laughs> it's like the cartoon version. Yeah, it's a cartoon version. Know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. I and like if, it. If you go panel by panel, it's like in that first panel, you could hear the bus pull up. Yeah. In the second panel, you could hear the sword like swing. Yeah, and yeah. then, and then he's on the bus, so that has motion. And then the water cooler gurgling, the the battle going on in the background, and then the sound of a restaurant, then him scratching his head, then a heart beating <laughs> through the stethoscope, right? And the sound of the cafeteria, then the sound of the shopping, then the sound of the bar. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I absolutely. If, it's very if dynamic. it was live action. Yeah. It would, pretty you know overwhelmingly goofy i thought yeah it almost reminds me yeah. of the montages in ant-man when, when about, they're talking yeah, you know what right. i mean it's like yeah. cutting to all these yeah. different people yeah that's definitely the vibe that you get yes. from it and uh I, I think it really works and i just really love this one this is one that just really smash cuts and quick zooms yeah and, yeah it really stuck with me yeah it's nice to hear you um talk about like the sounds of the comic like that just because like when i read the comic that's what i hear yes like that's oh, how cool. i read comics i hear sounds with them all the time and yeah. I, I really appreciate it when someone does a montage with a thought about the sound because i mean i've read comics where it's like 
someone walking through the forest and there's three panels where you can just hear their footsteps going. Yeah. Yeah, yep. precisely. Whereas, like, you know, other ones, yeah. it's like there's three panels and it's like, okay, here this person's walking through um, a bush. So there's like a, a moment with, oh, now he's going past like a river and you can hear the water gurgling. And, you know, like each panel has its own distinct sound. And I always enjoy that so much more. Yeah, it really adds a lot to it. Matt, when I was reading this, I was just like, man, I, I thought this was like hilarious. And it kind of gave me that kind of feeling of like um, Sunday comics and all that. But of course, also when I'm reading it, like every time like your character is like saying something, I'm, I'm hearing your voice in my head. Yeah. So that, was, that was also kind of wonderful, too. Yeah, I yeah. definitely feel like that, too. Because now that I know what you sound like, it it feels like these words would be stuff that you would say. <laughs> But see how, like, the character Matt always has his mouth wide open when he talks? Yeah. Trying to make him as dorky as possible. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's he's animated. Right. You know? And it, yeah. he's talking to people about something that's completely lost on them, but he doesn't care. <laughs> and when he finally closes his mouth is when his wife, like, shuts it down. Right. Right? <laughs> he's like, oh, my God, I've been doing this all day. Yeah. <laughs> amazing amazing well awesome i'm so glad that we can have everybody on uh for this last part of the episode and to talk about yeah, this you know great. the the ending of these five issues matt give us your plugs one more time where can people find you on the internet and check out all your cool stuff oh follow me on twitter at the letter hack or on instagram at friends of Strackbine. awesome and mark where can people find you uh they can find me on uh, multiversitycomics.com or on Twitter at uh, Mark Twiel. Awesome, yeah. Oh, so this is so great. We we got to do stuff like this again. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, this is yeah. awesome. Good job, it's great. With everything that's been going on lately, it is just <laughs> so great to hear all of you. It really is. <laughs> God, really we needed this. Awesome. We needed this today. All, yeah. all right. So we'll have another great episode next week. And we'll have some more, you know, guest hosts coming on. I think that this is fun to kind Super of fun. have. We had Ross Radke on. I'd like to have him Friendship. on again, too. And we've got Matt Strachbein and Mark Tweedell today. So, yeah, I hope we can do some more of that. And I can't wait to get into more of this story. I'm so glad that we're here and we're talking about this. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. Wasn't that a fucking great story i want to hear your thoughts you can send us a hey you damn guys at hellboy book club at gmail.com follow us on facebook and hellboy book club podcast and on instagram and twitter at hellboy book club you can also find all of our resources on our facebook about section and our podbean website and our instagram link tree as always a special thank you to paul from gartahan for the amazing theme music thank you paul we love it. Mark, thank you for that amazing reading order Excel sheet you did. Yeah, the upgrade. And, you know, stopping by and joining us today. Thank you, John, for doing all the editing. Thank you, Danielle and Matt, for being awesome people. <laughs> um, if you like the show, leave us a review. You can do it right in your app. Just open it up. Give us the five stars. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. Next week, we are reading BPRD, The Devil You Know, Pandemonium, Issues 1 through 3. So you know what to do. Pull out them back issues. Pull out the trades. Uh, the Omnibus hasn't come out yet, so... Um, but if you pull it out, that's right. great. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to interrupt uh, for a sec, um, just because uh, I believe you're reading a little bit more than that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you're, you're reading um, Age Sapien, The Calm Before the Storm. 
I love that we have him here to correct us in real time. This is that fantastic. That is so awesome. <laughs> oh, I, I must have given Aubrey the wrong thing. Hold on, wait. You gotta I'm leave so... this in. And the other Got... one was um, Age of Sapien, Ixtero Sapien. Okay, yes. so we're reading what Mark just said. Age Sapien, the calm before the storm, and Age Sapien, Ixtero Sapien. And I guess we'll get to the uh, the BPRD and the devil you know um, next week. So you know what I'll to do, guys. Now, so you can do a clear read. No, we're leaving all this. You guys, you you know what to do, guys. You know. It's fine. Check out the reading order. You'll know what to do. And join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. I'm Matt Strackbine. I guess I'm Mark Tweedell. (laughs) And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying, no one respects Devin. That's true. I think we have reached a consensus. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Oh, that's it.